everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, sitting in his warm room is Denver Dave, and we're here to talk about the NFL. Hola, Dave. Como esta? Hola. Uh, no. Bueno? <laughs> I don't know any more Spanish than that. So. <laughs> Anything I know to say in Spanish is uno I'm sitting at a bar, and all that means is one more. <laughs> any more than that, my, my Spanish Spanish there you go, I've just... Uh, Doubled your Spanish knowledge. Welcome to the week 16 review slash week 17 preview. Uh, We're going to go through all of the week 16 games, obviously. Uh, Look at the fantasy playoffs and uh, the bets, and then look ahead to week 17 picks. Um, We're going to start, obviously, Dave, with the uh, week 16, which started on Christmas Day. Blessed with a game on Christmas Day. And that was the Minnesota Vikings at the Saints. And Alvin Kamara tied an NFL record set in 1929 by running for six touchdowns in a game. He finished with a career-high 155 yards rushing to help the Saints beat the Vikings on Friday and clinch a fourth straight NFC South title. Kamara, who during during training camp signed a five-year contract worth up to $75 million, has since made Saints records for rushing touchdowns in the season with 16 and total touchdowns with 21 because he's got five receiving. Kamara slipped a couple of tackle attempts and then sprinted into the clear for a 40-yard touchdown on the game's opening drive. He added scoring runs of one, five, six, seven, and three yards against the Minnesota defensive front hit hard by injuries. And he equals Hall of Fame fullback Ernie Nevers' achievement. It equates to a Kamara rushing touchdown every 6.5 Saints snaps. The Saints never punted and sent a record of yards gained in the game by a Vikings opponent with 583. Minnesota has been eliminated from playoff contention while allowing the most points for any Vikings team since 1963. The Saints might have won by a greater margin if not for two interceptions of Drew Brees, one of them on a pass that deflected off uh, receiver Emmanuel Sanders' hands. New Orleans native Irv Smith Jr. caught a pair of touchdown passes in the third quarter for the Vikings, but a Taysom Hill rushing touchdown moved the Saints further away. The final score was the Vikings 33, Saints 52. Yeah, I mean, it was completely ridiculous. The headline of this is obviously uh, the Alvin Kamara performance. Uh, yeah. Six rushing touchdowns. Normally, if someone gets six touchdowns in a game, I'm saying normally like that ever happens, <laughs> then it's a mixture of receiving and rushing. As all of these are on the ground, every single yeah. one of them. Um, and he got six touchdowns in this game, which is equals the previous seven games combined, uh, where he got six touchdowns in seven games. Um, but it was just a constant threat, and uh, every single touch he was having was gaining big yards. Mm. Um, as you say, Latavius Murray still popped out with 72 yards as well. And towards the end of the game, Kamara was itching to get back in every time he came out. You know, when you just have those performances where you've just got unbound energy, nonstop yeah. energy, fatigue just doesn't count. And I guarantee he wouldn't have slept for three nights afterwards because he'd have just had adrenaline just coursing through his veins. He's probably with Dwayne Haskins at a strip club, just cannot sleep. Um, <laughs> but no, this is off. the performance to end all performances. Um, six touchdowns in one game and the one thing you don't want to do is be against him in fantasy which I was in two weeks yay (laughs) guess my fantasy went this week (laughs) no great Vikings Vikings just couldn't stop him Vikings could not could not stop him at all not Vikings defense you know we've said it before Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach and quite frankly the defensive performances that they're putting on at the moment are not acceptable and no. it's not as though they don't have talent. With the likes of Hunter there, with the like, I mean, it, it, their, their team is stacked, absolutely stacked with talent. And conceding 52 points is not good enough. 
against it's not even against the team they don't play against regularly they know the saints they know what the saints do they can scheme for the saints and yeah it's not he's absolutely not good enough it was it was a tough game for the vikings and obviously the uh, the calls for mike zimmer to leave at the end of the season should only get louder i'm guessing well, I was going to say, I don't see how his position is tenable anymore. I really don't because, you know, as, as we've said consistently, they are being let down by the defence. It's not the offence anymore that's the problem. It's the fact that they can't stop the run and they're getting torched on through the air. It, I, 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 words, I'm at a loss. I'm at a complete loss. They re- I really am. Yeah, I mean, a 6-9 and nine record. They're out of the playoffs, as I said earlier. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just not good enough, really. So... Let's see what happens with them on the off-season. Let's move on to Boxing Day, where there are a few games. Uh, we're going to start with the Buccaneers at the Lions. So Detroit with Robert Prince handling coaching duties after interim head coach Daryl Bevel was sidelined by a COVID-19 protocol. Lost quarterback Matt Stafford with a, to a lower leg injury on the first series of the game. Chase Daniel came in and completed 13 of 18 passes, but for only 86 yards and never got the Lions past midfield. Tom Brady, on the other hand, completed 22 of 27 passes, for 348 yards and four touchdowns in the first half to Gronk, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown as the Bucks took a 34-0 lead at halftime. Tampa Bay rested Brady in the second half, but Blaine Gabbert only needed 10 seconds to make it 40 to nothing after a touchback on the kickoff to start the half. Lions running back Dondre Swift fumbled on first down. The Bucks recovered the ball on the Detroit 25, and Gabbert hit Gronkowski on the next play for his second touchdown of the game. Detroit's only points came on Jamal Agnew's 74-yard punt return in the third quarter, but the Bucks only needed four plays to make it 47-7 on a franchise record sixth touchdown pass of the game for Mike Evans' second. Tampa Bay could have scored 50 points, but Ryan Suckup missed two extra points and a 42-yard field goal attempt. The final score here was Bucks 47, Lions 7. Yeah, I mean, it was never really planning on being that much of a close game, but when you lose Matt Stafford in the first few series... And then you're replaced by Chase Daniel and um, our yeah. friend Mr. David Blau. Blau. Yeah. David Blau, that was it. I can't know. How can I not remember his first name? It's the same as mine. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, Brady's back. Brady's, you know, he's become, he's become this machine again going into the playoffs." Yeah. Okay. I get the fact that they've put 47 points past the team, a team that is defensively minded. But let's let's have a look at it another way. Okay. The Lions only had 24 minutes of possession, which is the lowest out of any team this week. Okay. Yeah. In total in this game, there were 19 penalties for over 180 yards. That's both teams. There was 11 punts in this game between the two teams. And between the two of them, there was five out of 20 third down conversions. Mm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that putting 47 points past the Lions is any good when there's those stats as a headline because there was a lot that the uh, Bucks didn't do right. But, saying that, Brady did come out in the third quarter and Blaine Gabbert came in. Um, Gabbert's stats were fine. I thought there was, you know, they were okay. Mm-hmm. But it was just not what we're used to seeing from a Brady team. So all these people are saying Brady's back, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, cons- uh, completed 22 of 27. But it, was, it wasn't exactly the most taxing game. So I'm going to... I'm not going to ignore a lot of what we saw, but you have to take it with an enormous pinch of salt. Um, a bucket. Yeah, a, a bucket of salt. Exactly. There's, there's a gritters out in front of you when you're watching <laughs> this game. Um, 
but yeah, it, it makes the playoffs a bit more exciting. It makes it adds another storyline to it, which the NFL is all, all about storyline. So yeah, it, it, it does make it a bit more exciting. It makes you believe the hype trend a little bit more than than you know fair play. But it just underlines. And we've said it so many times how reliant the Lions are on Matt Stafford. I massively rate Matt Stafford. I really, really do. And there's so many people who don't and so many people who hate on him. This is what the Lions are without Matt Stafford. <laughs> I mean, It was going to be up. tough anyway, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, was, it turned into a gimme for the Bucks, didn't it? So they took full 100%. advantage of it. It's, it's kind of like saying, oh, you're in a boxing match against someone who's harder than you. And well, guess what? You can only use one arm. That's basically what happened. <laughs> um, any any chance that they had of winning this game was gone. Yeah. So on to Arizona, where third-string quarterback C.J. Beathard threw three touchdown passes. Jeff Wilson Jr. ran for 183 yards, and San Francisco dealt a brutal blow to Arizona's playoff hopes by beating them on Saturday night. Because of the loss, the Cardinals no longer control their own destiny in the playoff race. If the Chicago Bears win their final game, they'll reach the playoffs because of a tiebreaker over the Cardinals. Beathard was making his first start since 2018 and was 1-9 as a starting quarterback before he was pressed into action against the Cards because of injuries to Jimmy G and Nick Mullins. It's been a difficult past 12 months for Beathard, whose brother Clayton was fatally stabbed last December outside the bar in Nashville. He wasn't amazing on Saturday but avoided any big mistakes. He completed 13-22 passes for 182 yards. Wilson earned hard yards on the ground and the 49ers came up with two big defensive stops late in the fourth quarter including Akilo Weatherspoon's interception on Colin Murray's pass in the end zone. Arizona scored its, own, its first and only touchdown early in the fourth quarter when Kenyon Drake jumped on top of a pile and stretched his arm just far enough for a one-yard touchdown. Murray couldn't connect with DeAndre Hopkins on a two-point conversion. The Cardinals' next offensive drive stalled at their own 35 when they went for it on fourth and two. Another Murray to Hopkins attempt couldn't connect and the 49ers took over on downs. A couple of plays later and Kyle Juszczyk caught his second touchdown of the day. This one on a one-yard toss from Bethard with 8.36 left in the fourth. The final score in this NFC West game was the 49ers 20, Cardinals 12. I think the 49ers deserve to win the game. So the 49ers were significantly better. Mm. Um, I, the Cardinals' problems are becoming clearer and clearer every single week. Um, the defence can't provide the offence with any kind of help. You know, When mm. was the last time you saw... Um, the cards consistently provide good field position. Every time Kalamari started, he started inside his own 20, more or less. Um, and he's a young quarterback who's coming into a game, throwing it 50 times in a game. Yeah, that's um, not great. No, you shouldn't be doing it. If you're Roethlisberg, you can do that because especially with there being no crowd there because everything's quiet and you can hear and you can dissect. And the game's still slowing down for, you know, for Kalamari. It's not... He's not a quarterback who should be throwing it fifty yards or uh, fifty times no. in the game. So there, there's there are problems for Arizona, but it's they these are the, the Arizona are that kind of team where they look great at the beginning of the season and teams start to figure them out and stuff starts to unravel and you get a few injuries and stuff like that. But as I've said, you know they are a season or so a good a good draft and a good off season away from being a really good team. It's just at mm-hmm. the moment. They're not quite there. They're kind of they're that Formula One team that's got a massive engine, but the downforce isn't quite there, and they're not quick enough through the corners. That kind of thing. Yeah, um, they're just not quite good enough yet. But don't be put off by the fact that they got beat by the 49ers because the 49ers, their defensive front really came to party last week. So yeah, well done, to 49ers. They are, I think, with CJ Better there, they're a bit more sort of gun shy on offense. Um, mm-hmm. 
in terms of going in the air it's much more about going on the ground which is where they where they had their uh, their success last season i mean having a running back that got 183 yards is always going to give you success i mean they 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 won the battle on the ground and just kept on going to it consistently on one side of it you got the cardinals who had a quarterback who threw 50 times and on the other side of it you had a quarterback who threw 22 times guess what the team who threw it 22 times won the game and we've said it a number of times. It's not necessarily about how often you go in the air. It's about the success that you have. Um, and CJ Beth's job was made significantly easier um, by having Jeff Wilson. So, yeah. And George Kittle as well, who was miraculously back from his, uh, his injury earlier than they expected. I mean, the fact they're out of the playoff contention, you would have thought they maybe would have rested him. But I think they came in 85 yards. Did me a big favor think- in my fantasy game. I think he's probably one of those guys who just loves playing. Oh, he does. Um, yeah. I mean, a couple of years ago, for example, um, uh, Akib Talib was playing Week 17 against the against Seattle for the Broncos. And there's one point, Marshawn Lynch is running towards him. And you can see him going, we're not in the playoffs. Now, do I tackle <laughs> Marshawn Lynch? Or do I kind of let him go? And Marshawn Lynch put on this awful sort of stutter step and I keep to leave sort of faked and went oh I can't grab him and it was the worst <laughs> attempt at tackling anyone you've ever seen in your entire life um so there's a bit of that going on but I don't think you get that with George Kill. I think it's no. just you know this is this is what it is and I'm going in full for the tackle I know they're, they're putting up a bit of pride at the end of the season and it's a tough division and, and considering they were the NFC West sorry the NFC champions last year and we're only 10 minutes away from winning the Super Bowl uh, it, it just goes to show when they get their players back, that division is going to be uh, looking a little bit different, I think, again. Well, they've had a bit of a year off, basically. I think it's part of it is the Super Bowl hangover that we spoke about. I mean, but they are a defensive-based team. Even when Garoppolo is fully fit, they're still a defensive-based team. Yeah. That's where you know the majority of their salary cap lies on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but... One of the questions really is who's going to be the quarterback next season? Because I don't believe for a second it's going to be Garoppolo. So a lot of their success is going to be can they get their business done early? Um, it's going to be interesting. It, the, the 49ers is one of the ones where not only are they in for a new quarterback, there's a lot of teams who are in for a new quarterback, but mm. not necessarily a starter. I think the Steelers might be a team who are in for a new quarterback, but not a starter. I think you guys are no. going to say, okay, we need one to start more year for the future. I think 49ers run for a start. They need someone who's going to come in. Um, mm. And it's going to be interesting to see who that is because I think that makes a big, big difference. But no, I agree. I think uh, they've started the season uh, really badly and ended it with positives. So well done, 49ers. And we know from experience that they will uh, not factor in age as an issue as they were yeah, looking at Brady, weren't they? So. Yeah, they'll go. I think they'll go and get whoever they deem to be the right person. Um, yeah. It just, you know, let's just hope it's not Philip Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can trust John Lynch to make a good decision there. Uh, let's move on to the last game on Boxing Day. Uh, and that was the Dolphins at the Raiders. So with the defender dragging him down by his face mask, Ryan Fitzpatrick still managed to launch the pass that might have saved the Miami Dolphins season. Just a little more Fitz magic there. After an 85-yard catch and run by Nelson Aguilar, put the Raiders up. It all looked to be over with Las Vegas playing for time. But Dolphins head coach Brian Flores switched QBs from rookie tour to the experienced Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick led three scoring drives in the fourth quarter for Miami, with the final one the most unlikely after the Raiders bypassed a gimme touchdown for a field goal. 
Coach John Gruden chose to run down the clock for a go-ahead field goal instead of trying for a touchdown, with Josh Jacobs going down on purpose at the one-yard line, and Derek Carr taking the knee to set up a Daniel Carson 22-yard field goal with 19 seconds left. One play was enough to move the Dolphins from their own 25 into field goal range. Matt Collins was left open for a 34-yard pass that Fitzpatrick threw while being dragged down by the face mask by Arden Key. The penalty on it as well moved the ball down to the Vegas 26, setting up Jason Sanders for his fourth field goal of the night to clinch the one-point win. The final score in Vegas was Dolphins 26, Raiders 25. Yeah, the two major storylines here are the fact that Tua was benched for Fitz and Josh Jacobs taking, uh, almost taking a knee on the one-yard line. I think yeah. the Josh Jacobs storyline, it's not really, I don't think it's a story. There's nothing to see here. Most coaches who have the level of distrust that, Gruden has for his defense, who is constantly letting down all the way through the season. Mm-hmm. I think the vast majority of head coaches would have done exactly the same thing. You have a star running back, take it down at the one, run the clock down and try and punch it in. They couldn't punch it in. They take the field goal. I don't think he was necessarily purposely running the clock down. I think it was just a smart move that didn't really pay out at the end of it. Um, and it just it's just one of those things. Well, he, he took the time rather than going for the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think it was a purpose purposeful thing to run the clock down and then go for the field goal. I, th- I think what it was, I agree that the stopping it short was uh, time manufactured, but not then taking the, so we saw it a couple of years ago with the Jags where they purposely did not take the touchdown and just kept on taking a knee on the goal line. I don't mm. think it was, I just think they couldn't punch it in from a yard um, rather than them saying, okay, we're, we're almost going to manufacture several downs in order to run it down by 40 seconds every time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, they just don't trust the defense enough to be able to say, okay, we're going to have a go-ahead uh, situation and rely on the defense. I don't think that's... They can't do that, not with this defense, not with the level of trust they have. So uh, it's almost one of those things where it's, most coaches would have done the same. Nothing to see here, carry on. As for the Dolphins... <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I genuinely don't have a problem with it. With I'm what? With what, taking two out, Yeah, we're taking two out of the game. So we had... 22 throws, 17 attempt, uh, 17 completions, and mm-hmm. completed for 94 yards. Look, if you can go to your guy and just say, look, it's not your day today, I'm going to put Fitz in. Done. There's no, you know, this isn't threatening you with your job. This isn't, you know, saying you can't do it. It's just not your day today. And there's a guy yeah. in who's a gunslinger I'm going to bring in. He completed 9 of 13 for 182. And you know what? If, if you have, I think Tua is one of those guys who probably doesn't have as big an ego as other people. And if he comes into your office going, why did you bring me off? We won the game. The decision I led, the decision I made led directly to us winning the game. That's why I did it. And I don't, and I think, again, I think Flores is probably one of those guys who communicates well enough throughout the week to be able to go, okay, you know, this is, this is why, this is what we're going to do. This is a plan with, you know, situational plays. This is what we're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't, I, again, I don't think there's a huge amount to say here. No. Um, other than Tua is still developing. He's still in his first season. This is the one season you can do it. You can bench a rookie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Next season, it's going to be more difficult. But this season, you're allowed to kind of sit him down for a fourth quarter, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, if you're in a situation where you are chasing a playoff, if it had been the other way around and it had been, you know, the, the Raiders would have benched their rookie quarterback, then you're asking questions because they're not... They're not in the run for a playoff race. And you're like, well, mm. why, why are you doing that? Why are you so desperate to try and win this game? Leave your guy in there and let him develop. So they are chasing a playoff. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs, though. Because if they're in this position again, do they pull fits? I, I suggest that they probably will. 
Well, the, yeah. the way it's all shaken out at the moment then is the Dolphins moved a half game ahead of Baltimore in the AFC playoff race and can clinch a wildcard wild card berth with a win next week at Buffalo. Um, the Raiders, on the other hand, were eliminated after their fifth loss in six games and will be out of the postseason for the 17th time in 18 seasons. It's yeah, the Raiders here to hear that. But. No, the Raiders have nosedived um, towards the end of the season. Um, I think they were in a lot of people's triangles for the playoffs. Um, it just sort of it hasn't shook out that way for numerous reasons. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. It, it it's not too much of a shock to I think the NFL public basically that the Raiders aren't in the playoffs again. Again, I think they're a season or two away from having a real good team. And we know when it, when you relocate as well, it's massively difficult. Um, but if you look at where they are now compared to where they were when Jack Del Rio was in charge, yep. it's a completely different team with a completely different ethic. Um, so there's still positives for for them. But who would have thought that the Dolphins would have been? You know, they're all thereabouts with the Ravens. I mean, again, Flores was my coach of the year last year, and you have mm-hmm. to say he's probably coach of the year again this year. They may well be the best coach team in the NFL. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really nice to see them progressing. Uh, so going to Sunday then, we're going to start with the 6 o'clock games, and I'm going to go straight away to Kansas City and the Falcons, Dave. So Patrick Mahomes threw a 25-yard touchdown pass to Demarcus Robinson with just under two minutes to go on Sunday. Then watched his defense force Young Hoku's 39-yard field goal try to tie the game. And when the Pro Bowl kicker faded it right with nine seconds remaining, the, Chief had, the Chiefs had escaped. The Falcons certainly made it tougher than most people expected, though. They took the lead when Matt Ryan hit Laquan Treadwell for a five-yard touchdown with 4.33 to go. Then answered Mahomes' touchdown pass to Robinson for marching right down the field again. But after forcing Ryan into throwing three straight incompletions, they watched Koo head onto the field and promptly missed for the only time this season. Instead of heading to overtime, the Falcons headed home with their seventh loss in a one-possession game. Travis Kelsey had seven catches for 98 yards and a score, giving him 1,426 yards for the season, breaking George Kittle's record for the NFL tight end. Calvin Ridley had five catches for 130 yards for the Falcons. Hayden Hurst added five catches for 47 yards and a score. Kansas get the AFC West uh, and the number one seed and the only buy for the conference. The final score here was the Falcons 14, Chiefs 17. Yeah, this one was a bit of a snore fest. And it was disappointing because it was on red zone constantly. I don't understand why they kept on jumping back to it. It was annoying. Mm. Um, the yeah, hope of the, something uh, to happen. Well, the, the Chiefs train keeps on rolling. They're not looking great, but they're winning games. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Mahomes posted, though, his worst rating in this game since his NFL debut. Um, but, I mean, it's still a very good rating. <laughs> so, it's 79.5. Um, yeah. But... Throwing it 44 times and only completing 24 for Pat Mahomes is not what we're used to seeing from him. But no. again, the Chiefs didn't play well and they haven't played well for quite a while. Mm. Um, when the Broncos played them, we were a couple of big plays away from you know potentially causing an upset. Uh, but ultimately, they do enough to win games and it's enough at the moment. That's That's literally it. This is my worry with the Chiefs is that they haven't obliterated a team this year like they did last year. And so we know they can do it. This almost feels like they're in third gear and they're yeah. doing just enough to win, but they know that they can do more. So they're just kind of, you know, tagging along, da da da, just getting those wins, grinding them out. They've only lost one game. And that was a close one with the, the Raiders. I'm, I'm worried that when they get into the postseason, it actually starts really meaning something for them. I don't think they really care at the moment. If they, even if they lose week 17, it won't yeah. matter to them. They'll go into the playoffs and they'll be ready after a week off and knowing it's going to have to go through Arrowhead 
but we've I seen think they're going to hurt a team that they come against in the in the playoffs. Yeah, but the, we've seen it before where teams do this and they go into playoffs and you know you think oh they're going to be good enough and they're going to explode on someone and then they just shit the bed. You yeah, know, but we know they've, we've, they've done it though, Dave. But they've, they're, they're, know, they're, but they're reigning Super Bowl it. champions seen it before where it has happened though i mean the other thing to look at this season as well is the chiefs defense hasn't been good enough this year they have the worst red zone defense in the nfl worse than the jets worse than the jacks teams score almost 78 percent of the time they enter the chiefs red zone mm. that's not good enough i and- know that's what I'm saying. But I, of, I think they're, they're learning the same. Kind of situational matchups. Yeah, but that isn't happening because because players aren't bothered. That's not happening because people are going, eh, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll still beat you. Blah, blah, blah. That's not happening because of that. That's happening for other reasons. And when you're coming up against better teams in situational football really counts and two-minute drills are what you have to rely on, that's one of the major concerns. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat you either. I want the Chiefs to lose. But I want them to lose, not only because they're a divisional rival, but because they're the Super Bowl champions. I don't want a team winning the Super Bowl, the same team constantly. That was one. That was a big problem I had with uh, the Patriots and Brady. And it's not because I don't like the Patriots. I respected what they did. The, you know, the efficiency that they did. It was just, it was just dull to watch. It was like watching anti football. Yeah, it was just jab, jab, jab. That's all yeah. it was. And I didn't want to see the same teams constantly. I don't want to see the Chiefs constantly. So I hope they get beat. I really do, but that's because they're the Super Bowl champions. Mm. And if, if I don't know, say if the Packers win it this year, next year, I'll hope the Packers get beat because I want to see different teams and I want to see it constantly changing. Um, I've seen the Packers win it. I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's, a different Packers, it's a different Packers team now. Same bloody quarterback. Yeah, but it's, it's still a completely different team. So, you know, I mean, I there are concerns for the Chiefs. They're not going into the playoffs in red hot form, and when you're not when you're not in red hot form, and you then have a bye, and we've seen it with the Ravens a couple of years ago. You know, they rested they rested their first team in week seventeen, then had a bye, then went into the championship, uh, went into uh, the divisional game against Chargers, I think it was, and got absolutely mullered because they'd essentially had a couple of weeks off and were going into it not on form. That's not too far away from where the Chiefs are now. You know, Chiefs have got the Chargers this week, then they've got a week off, and then they've got a um, divisional game after that. So it's kind of like, well, let's see where they are at that time because they're not going into it on form. So I think you've been you're, you're being too optimistic here. I think that, I think <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's just, it's just the way that I'm seeing it at the moment because the Chiefs are not the same Chiefs I'm used to seeing. It's That's what I mean. They've, but we know they can do it. So it's only a matter we of do, time until do, they hurt they, They've still got to go and do it. That's the thing. Well, it's yeah, okay saying think they're going. They can, <laughs> they've got to go and do it. The thing is, the beauty of it, we will soon know. It's not a case of one of those things that we, we you know, we'll, we definitely will see or we won't. So mm-hmm. it, uh, they Probably need to sooner or later. Yeah. Let's move on then. I want to talk about the Jets, Dave. I've got to talk about the Jets and the Browns. So on fourth and one with the shorthanded Browns driving for a potential tying score, Baker Mayfield tried to push forward for a first down, but lost the ball when Terrell Basham smacked into him. Cream Hunt recovered, but by rule, Mayfield was the only one who could advance the ball, and the quarterback was short of the first down. The call was upheld by video review, and the Jets got the ball with 118 left and sealed their second straight victory after an 0-13 start. Baker lost two fumbles twice before that final drive as well. Jameson Crowder caught a touchdown pass for the Jets and threw a 46-yard touchdown pass to Braxton Berrios. And Sam Donald was 16 of 32 for 175 yards, including touchdown passes to Crowder and Chris Herndon. 
Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt got rushing touchdowns on back-to-back drives to get Cleveland close, but the Jets' defense again came up big to secure the second overall pick in the draft. The final score in the Meadowlands was the Browns 16, Jets 23. Yeah. Can you believe the Jets? G-E-T-S. Utter dross. <laughs> yeah. um, during all of the season, they go and win the last two games. I mean, the fact is that they probably, with the way that the Jags are playing, after the win last week, they probably weren't going to have first overall pick anyway. No. So you might as well go for it and try and win as many games as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the So this saw the matchup of Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. Now, a lot of people are, have constantly said that Baker Mayfield was the right pick to go first overall in that draft and that Sam Darnold's not the right guy. What we saw this week was a kind of a role reversal. So everything, to a certain degree, has gone right for Baker Mayfield. He was given the... You know, given the the keys to the safe early and he was given everything he wanted. They upgraded on the offensive line. They gave him a defense that could give him time to prep on the sidelines, can take mm-hmm. him off the field, can score in points as well, which is a big, big thing. Um, they gave him solid wide receivers. His running back room is probably the best in the NFL as a one, two. Yeah. And they've given him everything he wanted. And Sam Donald's had none of that. None, <laughs> not one. And it's been the complete opposite. Well, what we saw this week was, Mayfield's offensive line losing two of its men. So 40% of your offensive line is now not there. And you don't have two star wide receivers now. You're down to your third string wide receiver and your tight ends injured and your defense can't get you off the field. So it's kind of Baker Mayfield's reality in this game was what Sam Darnold's been dealing with for a long time. Mm. And it's kind of a bit of a, a change. And it's nice to see Darnold sort of, being able to have a level of stability and basically saying that this is my room now i'm now going to you know do what i want to do and it was obvious that he that you know the play calling that they were having was very different to what we've seen we've seen them on numerous occasions run it on third and long Mm -hmm. and they weren't doing that this time and it it was it seemed like a different jets team the only hope that jets fans got to have is that this doesn't buy Adam Gase any time. That's well, the I was going to say, hoop. this is probably securing him another year, isn't it? Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's also showing Sam Donald what is, what, you know, what is available in the market. There's a number of teams who, um, you know, who are in the market for a quarterback. I think we might cover this later on. And Sam Donald's obviously on the marketplace. So mm. he, he's making a name for himself. Because if you can win with that Jets team, with that offensive line, and with that wide receiver core, then you're giving yourself half a chance of being picked up um, because there's a number of teams out there that do need another quarterback. That line isn't terrible. I mean, Mackay Becton is one of the best left tackles in the game already. Well, Mackay Becton's very good, but he's also been injured for a significant proportion of the season. Yeah. And having a left tackle doesn't stop people rushing directly down the middle and cutting your head off, which is... They need a new centre, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Their center, Connor McGovern, a lot of people get confused with the Connor McGovern who plays for Dallas. It's different. Yeah. They're both offensive linemen, different people, both called Connor McGovern. Um, McGovern, who's their center, can't, he can't block out. He, he's a terrible defensive lineman, uh, offensive lineman, awful def- offensive lineman. Cannot, he cannot control the line of scrimmage. He's not strong enough. When he snaps the ball, the amount of time people go over him, it's yeah. almost like you're watching a long snapper play center. Uh, there's massive problems and there's constant pressure from the center. And you can't have that when you're playing under center. So he ends up having to play his shotgun, which Mm. removes the ability to play play action. 
And when you when you had Lev Bell, one of the major abilities that you would have is opening passing lanes by having the play up play action option. You can't do that. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a shame it didn't work out for him in New York because it's it's obvious he's not going to be there next season. I would assume. Um, but it shows that he has the ability to be able to go elsewhere. It's, uh, but the Browns going into the playoffs, uh, their hype train has been derailed ever so slightly. So, uh, well, they're not quite in yet. Well, I think they're almost there. I think they're uh, they're, close. They on ten, they're close. They're close. Ten but... and five now. So, yeah, I, I think I think they've got uh, they've got the Steelers this week as well. Yeah, yeah. That'll be an interesting game. That's potentially game of the week. Well, we're resting Ben, so we're already going to be starting Mason Rudolph in that game. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so, no, no longer game of the week. Uh, one one of a note, though, for this game is that Frank Gore became the third player in NFL history to run for 16,000 yards. The 37-year-old joined Pro Bowl Hall of Famers uh, Emmett Smith and Walter Payton to reach the milestone, doing so with a four-yard run in the fourth quarter. Um, he left late in the game with a chest injury, but a word as original later and he felt much better. So. <laughs> well, he's now it'll be 38 by the time next season comes around um, his son might be in the league as well by that point <laughs> is his son actually playing in college yeah oh that would be amazing you got a one-two <laughs> punch of you know <laughs> dad and son double gore yeah. <laughs> right let's move on to the next game then uh, and they'll do the Colts at the Steelers I think uh, so it looked like Pittsburgh were continuing their current slide at halftime. Two rushing touchdowns for rookie Jonathan Taylor and a 46-yard touchdown catch and run from Zach Pascal saw the Colts into the locker room up 21-7. James Conner had got a rare rushing touchdown for the Steelers, but it didn't look good for a team that started the season 11-0. Roethlisberger threw three second-half touchdowns, starting with a third-quarter strike to a fully horizontal Deontay Johnson, then Eric Ebron and Juju Smith-Schuster to see Pittsburgh complete a massive comeback. It was kind of poetic that the player that was the most dropped catches in the NFL this year would spark the team as well. Indianapolis so dominant during a first half in which it outgained the Steelers 206 yards to 28, had two chances to reclaim the lead. The first drive ended with Rivers throwing an interception deep in Pittsburgh territory. The second end with Rivers heaved to Zach Pascal, sailing high on fourth down. With the Browns' loss, Pittsburgh secured the AFC North title and the final score was the Colts 24, Steelers 28. Yeah, comeback win. 14 points in the final quarter. I mean, you came out in the second half, um, was it 21-7 down, ended up yeah. scoring 21 points in the, in the uh, second half. So I don't know how many Red Bulls, Ruffersberger banged at halftime, but it definitely worked. <laughs> it was 24-7 after their field goal for the Colts at the start yeah. of the, sec- the third quarter. Yeah, it was definitely uh, it was definitely a different Steelers team that came out in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um because when Jonathan Taylor punched it in early, I've got Jonathan Taylor in my um, fantasy team, and I thought, "Ooh, today might just turn out to be a good day." <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was just it was one of those games where it was a battle of the quarterbacks, almost who was going to figure out um, the opposition defense better. And obviously, in the third, it was constantly three and outs um, for Rivers a lot of the time. It was, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't able to overcome that Steelers defense. Um, and that was the case. It was a win for the defense. I know there was a comeback, and obviously the headline grabs there are the offense um, and the fact that you came back with points. I got a payout on one of my other bets for the Colts because they went 14 <laughs> points up, right. um, which 
I was extraordinarily happy about, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was just, I think it was one of those games where you, where the Steelers have proven that, and I've said uh, on a number of occasions about what you do in the playoffs. I think you've come back against a good Steelers team, a 10 win double digits. Uh, Colts Colts. Team, yeah. And um, it proves that in the playoffs, you, you are one of those teams who can give yourself uh, the possibility of coming back because some, sometimes I think when teams go behind in the playoffs, it's too much for them. Um, and especially in wild card rounds as well, teams lose the lead and just never come back and they end up trying away. And I think this kind of yeah. thing against the 10 win team gives you the ability and the confidence that you guys can come back. So I think it's only going to improve you going forward as much as I absolutely hate to say that. Uh, <laughs> it was a great win for the Steelers. Yeah, I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the memes to say to give the excuses to why we won this game against the Colts, because when we had 11 wins and we started losing, everyone started posting about how we got lucky with all of our wins. But I haven't heard an I excuse mean, as to why we beat the Colts this week. You can make it. You can make cases for why you know you you've beaten good you've beaten bad teams and lost to good teams. Um, but you've won your division. No one can take that away from you, and it's about what you but do. The Ravens. You beat the Titans, um, but again, you know the Titans are a bit on and off at times. Um, <laughs> I mean, they lost this week as well. Sorry for the spoiler. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah I, I, again, I've said you know a number of times. It's not about what you do in the playoffs. It's not about what you do in the regular season. It's about what you do in the playoffs. So your yeah. season starts in a couple of weeks. Exactly. Uh, let's move on to the next game then. So Mitchell Trubisky accounted for three scores, including two touchdown passes to Jimmy Graham. And the Bears pounded Jacksonville on Sunday in a game that meant as much to the Jags' long-term future as it did to Chicago's short-term fate. The Bears, who gained control of their postseason path when Arizona lost to San Francisco on Saturday, can make the playoffs for the second time in three years by beating Green Bay at home next week. Easy. The Jags, meanwhile, set a franchise record by losing their 14th consecutive game and locked up the top pick for the first time in their franchise history. David Montgomery and rookie Artavis Pierce also scored on the ground for Chicago. Trubisky completed 24 of 35 passes for 265 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. His performance was far from perfect. His interception came in the end zone late in the first half. He explicably scrambled and threw into a crowd with the Bears in field goal range and he nearly had another early in the third as well. Former Bears QB Mike Glennon made his fourth start of the season for Jacksonville after competing with Gardner Minshew in practice and had two touchdown passes to DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault and two interceptions to Roquan Smith. Glennon nearly had a third turnover, but nose tackle Bilal Nichols dropped the ball at the line of scrimmage when it hit him in the chest. The final score in Duval County was the Bears 41, Jaguars 17. So the Bears are one of the form teams going into the playoffs. How do you feel about Shocking, isn't it? Potentially seeing a Mitch Trubisky Super Bowl? How do you feel about that, Jim? <laughs> Dave, it will oh. never, ever, never happen. All right. <laughs> Not say that. Well, in the past three games, they've just broken a Bears record. I know. Existence. Yeah. Was it in the 1980s or something? It was, 30 it was plus constant. points. Yeah, 30 plus points in three consecutive games. So um, the Bears, they put 41 past. The Vikings, they put 33 past. Some people might say that's impressive. Some people may say it's run of the mill. Um, <laughs> and then the Texans, they put 36 past as well. I mean, they put 30 before that past the Lions. And it was only the Packers who they lost to prior to that. So Those are bad teams on, listed off, though, especially for defense. Yes, they are on a bit of a runner form. And it's nice for them to have that. The only The big problem with this is the fact at the beginning of the season, 
Um, Ryan Pace, the GM for the Bears, announced that they were not going to be taking up the fifth-year option mm-hmm. um, for Mitch Trubisky. Now, since then, Trubisky lost his job. Yep. Um, Nick Foles. Won it back. I know there was injuries to Foles, um, but it's one of those, is it an inverted comma injuries to Foles? Because um, Foles at the time was he's not exactly pulling up trees and for you know showing that he was a franchise quarterback. Well, he did a couple account. of good results, didn't he? Against the yeah, Falcons. but then Trubisky won a couple of early games as well. Trubisky yeah. won a couple of early games at the beginning of the season as well. I think he's a perfectly competent team. They were streaking really though, it's up and down. It was wins and then like four losses, four wins and then five losses in a row, whatever it was. You know, tis the Chicago way. It's how they roll. And also the um, thing with stats, you think about the kind of franchise thing. It's the same with the Bucks when Brady um, had the most touchdown passes for a, a QB. Well, that's because yeah. all Bucks and Bears QBs in the past have been pony. So it's not yeah. difficult to get these kind of franchise records. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Name me a great <laughs> QB from those two franchises. Uh, James Winston. Name me a great QB from those two. <laughs> I didn't say name me the third string quarterback for the Saints. This is true. But at the same time, the records are there to be broken. and <laughs> Easily broken. as well, by the looks of it. <laughs> but we've seen already this season that there are players who had their fifth-year option declined and have now signed a new contract. Garrett Bowles, for example. Garrett Bowles, we declined. The Broncos declined his... Uh, anyone who doesn't know, he's a left tackle for the Broncos. Picked yep. in the first round. 20, uh, 2017, 18, something like that. We declined his fifth-year option. Um... And this year, he's had a brilliant year. And he's now um, signed a new new deal. So it has already happened. There is a precedent for it. I don't think it will happen. Um, but again, Trubisky's put himself in the shot window of saying, look, I'm, I'm a decent quarterback. Now, I don't necessarily believe that to be the case, but he, he's given himself the opportunity. And I think, you know, fair play to him. We'll see what they do. Obviously, a left tackle is not quite as important as the, the QB. But a fifth-year option for a, a QB is a lot of money. I agree, but they can—they've declined the fifth-year option already. They can't now go back on that. So mm. anything that if they re-sign him, they're going to be re-signing him on a new deal. And we've yep. seen last season. I think there's everything we see with quarterback contracts is all about precedent. It's all about law of precedent, and we see that constantly. And last year, the precedent was come and prove yourself. We saw it with the Winston signing with the Saints for a million. We saw it with Cam Newton signing for the Patriots for you know a handful of changes in some magic. Yeah, licorice, yeah. And it turns out the beans couldn't grow anything. Um, so it's that we we're seeing these contracts where it's come and prove yourself. You know, we've seen it with Tannehill. Come and prove yourself at the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're any good we'll give you a big contract. It turned out yeah. to be good. They gave him a whopping great big contract. So fair play to him. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do sign him, but they sign him on maybe a $3 million deal or something like that. So it wouldn't shock me if he does stay there, but it's certainly not going to be a $27 million, you know, four-year deal, $25 million guaranteed. It's not, it's not going to be one of those. It's going to be a come and prove yourself deal. Either we'll that or he'll end up an overall pick in the draft. He'll end up at, you know, he'll go somewhere like the Colts or something like that. Who knows? I ain't got to play. <laughs> The Rams will take another backup. They love a good backup quarterback. Uh, let's go on to the next game then. Sorry? 
They love a bad backup quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, next game then. So, Lamar Jackson guided the Ravens to touchdowns on their first two possessions, then took them into field goal position on his next two drives for a 23 halftime lead. And that was more than enough to defeat a struggling Giants team that totaled only 13 points in its previous two games and has scored just two touchdowns over the last three weeks. The Ravens had six sacks, and Daniel Jones was flushed out of the pocket on several other occasions. Lamar completed 17 of 26 passes for 183 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran for 80 yards as part of a rushing attack that eclipsed 100 yards for the 38th consecutive game. Gus Edwards rushed for 85 yards and rookie J.K. Dobbins gained 77 yards on the ground and a touchdown before leaving with a chest injury. The Ravens opened the game with an 82-yard drive that consumed more than eight minutes and ended with a six-yard touchdown pass from Jackson to Marquise Brown. The Giants got a fourth-quarter touchdown to Sterling Shepard to cancel out Des Bryant's touchdown for Baltimore and the final score in this one was the Giants 13 Ravens 27. I don't think there's a lot you can say about this, unfortunately. Um, Giants went down early. Um, Daniel Jones was getting no protection. They couldn't run the ball. There was only 10 rushing attempts by the Giants. I'm not (laughs) including Evan Ingram's um, lucky rush that I don't think was actually intended. Um, But I think it was just one of those games where the Ravens went ahead early and the Rams didn't really have much of an opportunity to come back. I I just think it was the The, one team that was better. The Giants, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Giants just aren't good enough to come back. So yeah, it's, I don't have a huge amount to say about this one, unfortunately. Um, the only thing to really bring up is the Giants are now in somewhat of a pickle of what do they do with Daniel Jones? Um, <laughs> and it's a genuine, genuine question. I don't think it's necessarily. There's a lot of people saying, only "Oh, year two. yeah, it is only year two. But there's there's also a lot of people saying, you know, it, it's it's down to whether the you know are the Giants in this crazy limbo? What do they do with their quarterback, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not going to be down to Joe Judge. Joe Judge is the one that's emphatically re- reiterated, you know, his support for Daniel Jones. Well, that's great, but it's on Gettleman. And how many times has Gettleman ever changed his mind? Um, so I fully anticipate that Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback for the Giants next season. Mm. Um, I, I genuinely don't see them changing their focus away from Daniel Jones. There's too much invested in it. Yeah, if Gettleman's the GM, you're right. There's no way he's moving off. Jones nope. uh, anytime soon, even though they're currently picking eighth. Yes. Yeah. Next game then. I mean, that was pretty much a foregone conclusion game. There's no point in talking about that. Yeah, there's not a lot you can say to it. The, the Ravens keep on moving on, and the Giants, unfortunately, just loosening their any kind of grip that they had on trying to get through to the playoffs. The Ravens can beat bad teams. That's what they can do. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a theme for the uh, AFC North teams. <laughs> you dragged me back into it we're moving on <laughs> we're moving on <laughs> Samar so J.P. Ryan scored a three-yard touchdown late to give the Bengals their first road win in more than two years with a victory over the Houston Texans it's the first road win for head coach Zach Taylor who is in his second season and the first time the Bengals won away from Cincinnati since a 37-36 victory over Atlanta in 2018 the Texans were driving after Piron's second score when Deshaun Watson was sacked by Hubbard, who forced a fumble that Margus Hunt recovered. The Bengals added a field goal after that to seal the victory. It's the third time in the past four games that the Texans have had a chance to win or tie a game late, but lost a fumble instead. Deshaun Watson threw for 324 yards and three touchdowns, and David Johnson ran a season-high 128 yards and had a rushing touchdown and a touchdown reception. Brandon Allen was back in at quarterback for the Bengals and found Drew Sample for a touchdown on their first drive. T. Higgins grabbed a 20-yard reception in the corner of the end zone and managed to keep both feet in bounds for a touchdown with about 60 minutes left in the third. 
The Texans led 31-27 after Darren Fells carried two defenders into the end zone at the end of a 22-yard reception with about six minutes to go. But P. Ryan, who had a season-high 95 rushing yards, gave Cincinnati the lead when he bulled into the end zone for a go-ahead score with less than two minutes to go. The final score in this back-and-forth game was the Bengals 37, Texans 31. Yeah, let it sink in. This is how bad things have got in Houston. Let it sink in that the Deshaun Watson-led Texans yeah. were beaten in Houston by the Brandon Allen-led Bengals. Mm. Let that sink in. That's how bad the Texans are right now. No Joe Mixon. No. To accentuate beyond that as well, every every year, um, well, as it stands in the draft, um, all of the places that you're picking get assigned a point, a points value. So if if I say to Jim, Jim, I want to trade your pick, we use this directory to be able to say, okay, my pick is worth 500 points. I want you know that that and that pick, which adds up to 520 points, that kind of thing. So yep. that's a directory that they use. Um, the Houston Texans, in terms of strength, so in terms of the actual strength of picks that they have, they currently sit. Uh-huh. 31st in the NFL in terms of their values for their draft picks. Mm-hmm. They are two places behind the New Orleans Saints. The Saints only have three picks in the entire draft. <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about where the Texans are. The only team that's below them, pop quiz, Jim, who's below them? Who's got the lowest? If you think about it, you should get it. Out of time. It's the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because they've given away a king's ransom for Jamal Adams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Houston still have a number of picks, but they're all late round picks. They don't have a first overall. They don't have a first round pick. No. Um, instead of having a first round pick, um, Miami have got it. Miami are picking the third. third the third um, overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the Texans are a car crash of a team. Is that worth it for Laramie you- Tunsil? Yeah. There's. There's. I mean, they also got Kenny Stills as part of that deal, but they've oh, released he's him. Gone. He's, now, he's now a free agent. Um, I just don't understand what's happening in Houston. I really don't. Their cap situation is diabolical. They have absolutely no power to try and retain any of their stars, and they've got no sort of weight in free agency. We've gone over this in previous pods, but it just I get astonished. That the, answer, how- the answer is five words, Dave. Bill O'Motherf***ing-Brian. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I mean... That's it. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I genuinely, a nuke. I'm not a fan of having a GM and head coach all as one person. I, think I don't think anyone's going to be anymore. Well, I think you need... Well, it, I, I kind of see why a lot of teams have done it because of the whole Bill Belichick uh, success that he's had with New England. Having a head, If you've got someone who's a head coach and uh, a GM, and they're, you're both in the same head zone. You think, we, I know my team needs this, and yada, that's great. But let's not forget, you know, the Patriots are terrible at drafting, like legendary terrible at yeah, drafting. Yeah. When was the last time a first round pick for the Patriots paid off? Gronk. That's how long ago it was. And Gronk was he, he wasn't first, was he? Was he a second round pick? First or second, yeah. But that was the last time a first round. I mean, Sony Michelle was a first round pick. I guess that's kind of paid off. It was like 30 second pick. Yeah, I know. It was, it was last thing. Um, I think that was actually where they traded out as well. Or did they trade mm. out? I can't remember. That might have been a season It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, either way. But no, I, the, the Texans are in a terrible position. Well done 
um, to the Bengals. And the, the question sort of remains is how good would the Bengals have been? Because they've now won the last two games. Yep. And how good would they have been if they had Joe Mixon, who's been you know, in and out? And when he's been in the team, he hasn't been fit. You can see he's not fit. He's playing bit part bit parts in the games. P Ryan's done really, really well in coming in. Yeah. Um he had a bit of trouble obviously after his uh time in Washington. But he's mm-hmm. sort of getting his skates back on now, which is great. And for the first time ever, and it feels weird saying this, the future's bright in Cincinnati. It, it's a bit odd saying it, but yeah. Burrow raised the video to... showing he was walking in, which looked really good. And yeah. they've got the fifth overall pick of... in the drafts so at the moment. They're picking so... fifth overall and they're yeah. not thirsty. You know, they're not, we don't need to pick a quarterback. We don't need to go. <sighs> they can look at the defense, can't they, for a change? Yeah, I, exactly. But they can go and get a star player. They can go and get someone who is, do you know what? We, we're going to get a guy who's going to make us better rather than a guy who's going to fill a gap. Yeah. And that's one of the things. And there's so much cap room. There's so much cap room in Cincinnati. You know, they can, they could go and be super uber aggressive. I mean, they're not going to. We know that. No, they'll probably pick up a a cornerback like uh, Patrick Certain or something. Yeah, or Pierre Desir. They'll pick up Pierre Desir in free agency or something like that. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that they're going to do. It's just, it kind of just is what it is. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, the future is bright for Cincinnati. And I think Zach Taylor, there was rumors about what's going to happen with his job, but I think he's perfectly safe because he's done a great job. He'll he'll be Uh, okay. Absolutely. So uh, you, well you get a mulligan when your your franchise quarterback goes down midway through the first well, season. So to a certain degree, I mean, if if your franchise quarterback goes down, um, you've got a serviceable backup and you're still not performing, then I don't I don't think that always helps. The fact that you know they're still winning games and there's you know this week they had Brandon Allen against the uh, uh, the win against the Steelers or was it Ryan Finley who they had? So, you know, it's not even as though the backup who they're coming in is got, they've got multiple backups, none of which have got, um, none of which have actually, actually got sort of huge amounts of NFL experience. Um, but yeah, you bold on Bengals. That's basically it. Mm. Next game then I want to do uh, the Broncos at the Chargers. So after Brandon McManus tied it at 16 with two forty-seven remaining with a 52 yard field goal, the Chargers took over at their own 25 and were in the red zone in three plays. Austin Eckler had 34 of his 45 rushing yards on two carries and Herbert connected with Jalen Guyton for a 23-yard reception to the Denver 41 at the two-minute warning. Four plays later, Michael Badgley split the uprights from 37 yards with 41 seconds remaining for the winning points and Los Angeles' first three-game winning streak in two years. Herbert's nine-yard screen pass to Eckler in the second quarter was his 28th touchdown throw of the season, surpassing the 27 that Baker Mayfield had for Cleveland in 2018. Brandon McManus was good from 50 yards to bring the Broncos within 10 after the Chargers went three and out. Drew Locke scored on the one-yard keeper for Denver's first rushing touchdown in seven games, and after Badgley's late field goal, the Broncos got to midfield, but Locke's desperation pass on the final play was intercepted by Mike Williams near the goal line. Denver had opportunities to, uh, to score on its first two drives, but came away empty. The Broncos took nearly eight minutes on their first possession and drove to the Chargers 16 before Locke was intercepted by Casey Haywood in the end zone. The ball deflected off the hands of Denver receiver Deshaun Hamilton. McManuson had a 37-yard field goal attempt bounce off the left upright, his first miss inside the 40-yard line since 2017. The final score in this AFC West game was the Broncos 16, Chargers 19. Yeah, the Broncos, I think, were destined to lose this game. Um, the miss from Brandon McManus on the inside the 40 First of all, there was a penalty on it. Um, it was the fourth down. He missed the first one, hit the post. Second one, 
missed again. Um, yeah. Obviously, only the second one counted. And uh, Brandon McManus is normally Mr. Super Reliable. Then you have a uh, tipped interception, which I'm not angry about. Deshaun Watson should have, uh, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Hamilton, Hamilton should have caught it. And I've got no love for Deshaun Hamilton. Um, towards the end of the game, I mean, we had, uh, the Broncos had an, uh, a choice to make. Did we go for the 68-yard field goal um, to tie it up? Or did we go for the, uh, do we then go for the Hail Mary? Now, I didn't go for the Hail Mary because anything can happen and why not? Um, the offensive line unfortunately broke down and the reason it looked like a desperation pass from Drew Locke was just simply because he was under pressure and he ended up having to throw it before any of the receivers were in the end zone it turned out to be um, I think it was Levante Bellamy who was in the end zone basically going for the reception Levante Bellamy's what is he a five foot nine running back <laughs> never heard of him just you know, he he was uh, he's been taken off practice squad because Philip Lindsay's injured again. Yeah. Um. So he's been bought in. He, he had a good game actually in his in his first game. He's a former um, Western Western Michigan Bronco. So he's got Broncos <laughs> running through his blood. Um. But yeah, it's, it was just one of those games where I did I didn't really mind us losing because the benefits of us losing this game are significant. <laughs> like same goes for next week as well. So when you boil it down. Looking at the draft, uh, are we, we, Dave? Well, it's not necessarily the draft. It's also next season. So if we lose against the Raiders and we lost this game as well, then we're being matched up with AFC South next season. So if we finish fourth, then we'll end up playing the Jags rather than Texans. If we finish fourth, we'll end up playing the Lions instead of the Vikings. And if then there's a seventh, that's if there's a 17th game. Uh, we're also matched with your division, so we'll end up playing the Bengals rather than potentially the Browns or the Ravens. So finishing fourth might be a really, really good bonus for us, Um, not to mention the additional better draft picks as well. Um, So next season, there's a bit of a weird scenario at the moment where there's lots of teams with the same same number of wins. So the Broncos are picking 10th overall uh, in the first round. In the second round, we're picking 9th. Um, and that's just because we we have a similar record to other teams. Whereas if you look at, uh, I think it's Dallas, Dallas overall in the first round are picking 11th, mm-hmm. whereas in the second round they're picking 15th or something like that, just because their record is matched with other teams. So um, mm. it, it's not a case of that one win gets you an extra one place. In the second round it might get you five places which then makes all the difference. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I'm not mad at us losing this game. And if you say, take this win with a Hail Mary at the end of it, well, what does it get you in the long run? I think we saw some good things from Drew Locke. We saw some bad things. And I was listening to a a Denver podcast and one point that they brought up, which was really pertinent, was the fact that this was Drew Locke's 16th start. So he's effectively now come to the end of his rookie season because he's had injuries <laughs> and he's now had 16 starts. Okay, so now you have to start producing. Yeah. So from now, his, his trial is over and done with. From next season, it's now a go and earn your place. Um, the Broncos have announced almost, well, it's, it's basically been announced that uh, Coach Fangio is going to be staying. Um, Drew Locke is almost certainly going to be the starter next season. Um, and it unfortunately looks as though Philip Lindsay is going to be uh, departing the Broncos, unfortunately. Mm. So he is almost certainly going to be with another team next season. Um, Rumours are at the moment that the Broncos are going to place a second-round tender on him, 
um, which means if any team then comes and steals him off waivers, um, they'll have to pay him 3.4 million, which I think is the second round reserve at the moment and we'll get their second round pick so yeah fill your boots anyone come and get him we'll get a second rounder for an undrafted free agent <laughs> sounds like a great idea, i mean it's been a complete win for you hasn't he really yeah absolutely i mean the only the only issue with him has been the injuries yeah um, there's been a couple of occasions this season when he's had injuries um he ended last season and will end this season again both uh, both of which are on uh, ir um, but in total, I think we've probably paid him about 1.2, 1.3 million pounds. We've paid him almost nothing. Um, he came in as an undrafted free agent, had back-to-back 1,000 rushing yard uh, rushing seasons, which, as far as I'm aware, has not been done before. Um, I think it might have been Legarrett Blunt who came in and had one rushing, uh, but he was, you know, everyone expected him to be brilliant, but he was just a bit stabby. That's, that's not the for, he might have a consecutive. He's definitely had more than one. 1, oh yeah, no. I mean, I don't think he had consecutive. He had more than one, but he came yeah. in and in his first season had a thousand yard. Maybe rushing. next year James Robinson will break that. Yes, I think he's every chance of that, especially with a decent air game as well. Um, but no, I'm not mad that we've sort of lost this game. To be perfectly honest, um, Chargers tried their best to lose it as they often do. Um, <laughs> but in a game where the Chargers were missing Keenan Allen, were missing Joey Bosa, and missing um, Hunter as well. We, the Broncos still couldn't beat them. Jerry Judy yeah. had five drop, dropped catches as well, one of which was in the end zone. Yeah, he looked pretty upset. Uh, yeah, he did. He looked really annoyed. Um, the other thing as well was um, Levante Busby was pulled out of the game by Coach Fangio for not tackling hard enough and then went to <laughs> Coach Fangio and was, was pleading with him to go back in, so sent him back in um, and uh, missed a tackle, tried it almost like a shoulder roll tackle, and then got pulled out of the game immediately. So uh, expect him never yeah. to be seen orange again. <laughs> okay, let's move on then to uh, another one of the games there we got on Sunday, and that was the Panthers at the Washington football team. So less than a week after being stripped of his captaincy and fined $40,000 for violating protocols during a pandemic, Dwayne Haskins was stripped of the ball, threw two interceptions, and was summarily released by Washington following this loss. Haskins' failed second chance, coupled with a special teams blunder and defensive miscues, added up to Washington blowing its first chance to clinch the NFC East by losing to the Panthers on Sunday. By the time um, Tyler Heineke entered early in the fourth quarter, where Washington down 14, it was too late. Haskins' mistakes, Stephen Sims' muffed punt that turned into Panthers' touchdown, and the defense's early struggles made it too deep a hole to dig out of. Heineke was 12 of 19 for 137 yards in relief and threw a 29-yard touchdown pass to J.D. McKissick with 150 left. He hadn't played since 2018, and that was ironically with Carolina, and he was signed to the practice squad less than three weeks ago. Carolina, on the other hand, snapped a three-game skid behind Teddy Bridgewater and an opportunistic performance on defense and special teams. With Christian McCaffrey out again, Curtis Samuel had five catches for 106 yards and was the Panthers' leading rusher with 52 yards on seven carries. Wide receiver Robbie Anderson also got a touchdown pass for Carolina. Washington now need to beat the Eagles to win the NFC East. And the final score here was the Panthers 20, Washington 13. Well, first of all, on Heineke, I did see him play in 2020 in the XFL for St. Louis. That doesn't count NFL. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I saw him playing that and he looked yeah. terrible. I thought there's a guy who's never going to play in the NFL again. He probably started the Vikings before uh, Carolina as well. He played for a few teams. Texans, he was on there. I don't think he ever played for the Texans, but he was on, I remember him on their roster. Yeah. Um, I, how much of this, because this is a big game, obviously, for uh, uh, Ron Rivera and the fact he's against his former team. So it's a big, yeah. big game. 
how much of this was okay you you've been caught doing things that you shouldn't have been this is in reference to Dwayne Haskins mm-hmm. how much of it is but you've been caught doing things you shouldn't do here is a six foot length of rope go <laughs> and hang yourself young man yeah how much of it is that you know here is I'm giving you the start go and basically prove to me that you're worthy um, and apparently after the game he was mouthing off as well and part of it is his attitude and the fact is his attitude stinks and half of it is that and that's the reason they didn't wait until the end of the season they did it immediately yeah uh, now the, the other thing when you look at it he was was he picked 15th overall yeah it's about so that he's, he's about 15th overall and a lot of people a lot of people at that time said he fell to Washington he, he fell did, yeah. to them he did you know they it was the Giants should have taken him yeah, well, the Giants shouldn't have because they made the better pick in, in hindsight. Um, they definitely did. And I think the fact that today we received news that he's cleared waivers, which if anyone who doesn't know, that means he gets offered to every team. You get a phone call saying you can you can sign Dwayne Haskins if you want him. Now, there's, there's negatives to this in the fact that you have to take over his contract, which is yes. the first round pick contract. But every team got a phone call specifically saying, or maybe not a phone call, maybe a fax or something. Do you <laughs> want to sign Dwayne Haskins? Got paged. You can sign him now. No one's standing in your way. You can have him. And every team said, no. <laughs> Basically, well, it's so not now really time either. It's just before the end of the season. No now, one's going to make a decision right now on Dwayne Haskins. He is now an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. But it also leaves Washington in a bit of a stick because who do they start a quarterback next week? Because Alex Smith might still be injured. They don't know yet. Uh-huh. Kyle Allen's gone. There's no way he's starting. Um, so it's kind of like, well, are they starting Heineke? And they're going into the playoffs. It's, it's just a bit of a weird one because you're essentially letting a guy go rather than there's no other option there. You can't bring in anyone else now because you can't trade for anyone now and you can't bring anyone else in because they won't know the playbook. So it just seems like a bit of a way. It's, it's a massive statement to say, look, if you don't behave yourself and toe the line and you know, you're not going to be here. And I think it's a big, big statement for Washington. I think this puts Washington in the worst situation possible because they clearly had fallen out. Well, I'm not sure Rivera ever really liked Haskins and, no, the, the mental side of the game, I don't blame him because Haskins has proven that it doesn't matter how, how talented you might be. If you have the wrong attitude, this is how quickly you can fall out um, with a team. Washington have good, good form in dealing with rookies anyway. Um, and look at their ownership to see kind of you know, dysfunction. But at the same time, <laughs> Haskins has done himself absolutely zero favours here. His um, statement after being released seems disingenuous about how he was going to concentrate on becoming a better person. It was like, well, you had chance after chance in Washington. You know, it was only through injury that you got another chance this week. Yeah. And Rivera, like you said, you gave him enough rope. So it shows that Rivera's not the It's Haskins for, for putting in another absolutely atrocious performance. Um, and they're now in a situation where if you win... If you beat the Eagles on, in Week 17, you get into the playoffs. If you, if you win the NFC East, you are picking. Uh, it's the difference between picking eighth and nineteenth. Yeah. When you're looking at a team that desperately needs a new franchise quarterback, they could do with picking eighth rather than sixteenth. <laughs> or sorry, nineteenth. Well, so currently they're picking. They're currently they're picking nineteen. Yeah. 
And if you look at uh, quarterbacks who are going to be going in the first round, there's probably four or five that are going to be going in the first round. And there's a chance that someone might be there at 19. Someone like if you, you want a bit of choose, Kyle. right? Yeah. Someone like uh, Kyle Trask or uh, Mac Jones. But neither of those two guys are, you know, guys you want to be saying, this is who we're going to hand over straight away. These are both guys who are going to need time. So, therefore, what do you do next season? It's just. Well, Alex Smith will still be there next season, I'm guessing. But yeah, again, at the same time, though, Alex Smith misses games. So you're then in a position where maybe week three you're having to throw Mac Jones in and you're not, you don't want to do that. So Alex Jones, Alex Smith isn't, uh, he's not the answer either. So it's Keenum on the phone again. Oh God, could you imagine? <laughs> the thing is, you're probably right though. That's well, thing. you bring in some, you bring in a journeyman. What about Fitzpatrick? Yeah. What if Ryan Fitzpatrick's available? <laughs> well, if you look at teams who actually, I don't know if you want to go on to this now, but in teams who actually need a quarterback in terms of a starter, um, I've got eight teams in total that need a starter. Um, one of which is Washington. Um, yeah. 49ers, the Saints, the Bears, the Jets, the Jags, the Colts, the Patriots, and Washington. Now, some of those will obviously be settled in the draft, but yeah. a lot of them will be free agency as well. Um, I and mean, we don't have the Jets will take a quarterback now. I think, I think they'd be daft not to. I think they depends what they, they want would, to do with Donald. Yeah, I mean, they don't. Do they even have uh, a GM yet? You know, uh, uh, I don't think so. I mean, you talk about dysfunction. It seems to be that area of the uh, of the states which sort of breeds dysfunction mm. of uh, Maryland and New Jersey. So it's it's a strange one. I, I I'm not entirely sure that that, that Washington picking up a quarterback in the first round is going to be the right thing just because I don't think they can get the guy that they may necessarily want. If they've fallen in love with a guy, go for it. Yeah. You know, absolutely. But they're not going to be getting, getting, they're not picking high enough to get Justin Fields. They're not picking high enough to get Trey Lance. So, you know, what, and they're obviously not going to be getting Trevor Lawrence. So what, what, where do you go from there really? Um, unless they really fall in love with Zach Wilson, who's, you know, coming from a division seven team or you know, last person to come from that division was, um, oh, I forget his name, Browns picked him, Deshaun Kaiser. He was the last person to come from mm. that division. And look how that Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, well, if you take, if you forget about Notre Dame from the Independence uh, League, then there's only been, I think, four, four quarterbacks drafted since the year 2000. Um, I think there's been three Notre Dame on top of that. So, yeah, it's, it's not a place that breeds success. Really, it's really not. But it's it's a bit of a jump in talent. Yeah, it's so just we'll see. Washington are in a different difficult position because defensively yeah. they are a star, but offensively they are. You take away McLaurin and and um, I forget the running back's name, Antonio Gibson. Yeah, you Gibson, take them yeah. away, and they're they're a bit. You know, they're going into battle without a sword, really. <laughs> Let's move on. We've got a few more games to cover off, Dave, before we finish week 16. So to Dallas, where Andy Dalton threw for 377 yards and three touchdowns, two to Michael Gallup, and the Cowboys stayed alive in the playoff race with victory over the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. The Cowboys won their third consecutive game and can finish alone in first place in the NFC East thanks to Washington's loss to Carolina, which guaranteed the NFL's worst division won't have a team with a winning record. Brilliant. 
Dallas can overtake Washington with a win at the New York Giants, and a Washington loss to the Eagles on the final weekend of the regular season. The Giants can get in by beating the Cowboys if Washington loses. The Eagles led 14-3 in the first quarter after Deshaun Jackson's 81-yard touchdown catch in his first game in two months, coming off an ankle injury, a Miles Sanders rushing touchdown, and they would have controlled their playoff fate against Washington with a win. But Dallas were rolling on offense, and the top three Dallas receivers each having a catch of at least 50 yards. Rookie C.D. Lamb's 52-yard touchdown put the Cowboys up 27-17 early in the third quarter. Gallup's 55-yarder on a screen set up a field goal between his two touchdowns. And Amari Cooper had a 69-yard catch before another of Greg Zerline's three field goals. Lamb got a 19-yard rushing touchdown as well to keep the Cowboys out of reach of the Eagles. And the final score was the Eagles 17, Cowboys 37. Yeah, I don't really have much to say of this game. Um, a bad Cowboys team beat a bad Eagles team. That's that's it, really. Um, <laughs> that's it, is it? Not particularly. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> what, what else is it to say? The, the Cowboys have given themselves a chance of uh, making the playoffs. If they do, boo hoo, because who are they going to be in the playoffs? Um, yeah. They're just, not playing anymore in the AFC, are they? So it's going to be difficult. Well, I just find it a little bit not. I'm not going to sit here and say that I find it dull, but I just find it a bit difficult to get excited about a game between the Andy Dalton led Cowboys and the error strewn uh, Philadelphia Eagles because the Eagles just are not a very good team. Um, and having a, you know having a team that got over 100 penalty yards and 12 penalties says everything you need to know about the Eagles. They're running on empty. Um, they still look better than they did before uh, Hurts was playing. Yeah, but I mean, that's a low bar. That is well, a low bar that you're aiming for. It's getting better, though. It's getting better. Yeah. I mean, that Deshaun Jackson catch was amazing. It was. Um, I like the celebration of running down the tunnel as well. Um, yeah. That was the highlight of the game. The big thing in this game is um, in Dallas, they, they were using a new camera in the end zone. Mm-hmm. We saw um, it a few it weeks called... ago with the Seahawks game, I think. Sorry? I think we saw it a few weeks ago with the Seahawks. Or, I didn't or see the it Washington football team. So I've seen yeah. it once before. Yeah, it was called the action cam, and it kind of focuses on the immediate and puts it in high definition, like super, yeah. super high definition, um, and everything else is blurred out. It's really, really cool. And immediately, a lot of Dallas fans are saying the fact that we're using that camera means that we're on all or nothing um, because <laughs> you know there was uh, suspicions that that's the reason that they were they were doing it until it was Not pointed again. out that. They wouldn't be on all of nothing, all or nothing, because they were on it a couple of years ago, and the Eagles yeah. were also on it a couple of years ago. So let's hope that neither of those two teams are on the all or nothing series. Bloody awful. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was a, a good good win for the Cowboys. And yeah. said, who would have thought the they'd be in, in charge of maybe getting into this? And hopes. Crazy, but again, the Cowboys currently looking at the draft if they yeah. win they move from 11th potentially to 19th 20th yeah yeah it's, it's, the, it's the poison chalice of moving down to 19 basically whoever wins yeah. this division yeah and the difference between picking 11th and 20th is enormous i mean absolutely massive it really is um it just is what it is do you want to be in the playoffs do you want to be a team that i mean for dallas not being in the playoffs is a big big deal you don't want to be a Dallas team who hasn't qualified for the playoffs for numerous seasons so getting in might just end up being uh, a poison chalice but something you want to be able to do to say it was a successful season I don't know if it's a if it saves McCarthy or if it's worse because of that that lower draft pick yeah 
Well, I mean, Mike McCarthy's going to want to be in the the playoffs because it gives you the shot. You know, it gives you the shot. You, if you, what would you rather be as a boxer? Would you rather be on the outside looking in at a Canelo fight or be in the ring saying well, one shot could change it and I can end up being champion? <laughs> I'd rather not be against uh, Canelo in the ring to be honest. Well, but there we go. <laughs> low blows, just go in there with low blows. Yeah, yeah. So three games left. We're going to start off with the uh, the Seahawks. And the Rams. So the Seahawks claimed the NFC West title on Sunday with victory over the Rams, carried by a revitalized defense and some clutch play from Russell Wilson. Wilson scored on a four-yard run on the opening drive of the second half and clinched the division crown with a 13-yard touchdown pass to Jacob Hollister with 2.51 remaining. It's the first division title since 2016 for Seattle and the fifth since Pete Carroll arrived in 2010. The final drive was Wilson at his best. He was 5 of 5, 59 yards, hitting four different receivers. Wilson connecting with Hollister was a bit of a redemption for the tight end, who was stopped inches short of the same end zone on the final play a year ago in Week 17 against San Francisco. That gave the division title to the 49ers. The Rams became the fifth straight opponent held under 20 points by Seattle, something accomplished four other times in franchise history and not since 2014, the last time the Seahawks reached the Super Bowl. It's a staggering turnaround for Seattle, who was on pace of being among the worst defences statistically in league history earlier in the season. Jared Goff was 23 of 42 for 224 yards and a baffling first-half interception that cost Los Angeles points. He also dislocated his right thumb in the third quarter, but popped it back in and didn't come out of the game. The Rams can still reach the playoffs with a win over Arizona or a loss by Chicago next week, but the past two weeks have changed the tenor of this season. Last week's shocking loss to the then-winless New York Jets cost the Rams control of this division. Now Los Angeles is at risk of missing the playoffs altogether, and if Goff can't play, the team will turn to backup John Walford who was last seen playing for the Arizona Hotshots in the AAF. The final score in this NFC West game was the Rams 9, Seahawks 20. The So Jared Goff has had surgery on his thumb. Yes. Going to be back for the playoffs, which is right. But the Rams have just signed a quarterback. Breaking oh, yeah? News. Yeah. One of their former quarterbacks as well. A guy who got to an AFC championship game. One oh, I can hear it coming. You know who it is, don't you? The double B. The man with the plan. Blake Bottles. Woo! <laughs> they've, also, they've also placed Cooper Cup on IR as well. So just when oh, the job got even harder, um, yeah, it becomes more and more difficult, unfortunately. Um, yeah, they've uh, activated his replacement, though, um, who is Bobby Evans. Bobby yeah. E. Let that sink in. I don't know what's happened to the Rams. It's a bit of a weird one because the Rams were playing really well. I remember a few weeks ago, they beat the Bucks. Um, I mean, they beat them by less than a score, but I mm. remember them beating the Bucks, and everyone was saying that the Bucks were falling apart. After that, they beat the Cards as well. They murdered the Patriots. But since then, in the past couple of weeks, they lost to the Jets. I mean, you can't say that without laughing. <laughs> and in this, in this game... You know, didn't even post double digits. Nine points against the Seahawks. Seahawks team, let's not forget the Seahawks defense was ranked as being one of the worst in the NFL early this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the the Rams have sort of fallen apart a little bit. It's, just, it's a bit weird as to what's happened to them because their season is somewhat died on its arse. Um, but yeah, we've seen before that Jared Goff is a bit streaky in the fact that he'll have wonderful moments and he'll also have a couple of games where he just sort of goes missing. Mm-hmm. And as you said today, the interception, I mean, what what was going on there is, is anyone's guess. Um, but no, well done, Seahawks. Seahawks you you have to watch it for yourself to understand just how bad that interception was. That was kind of Matt Ryan-esque. 
That was just yeah. like a, a noodle launch into no man's land. We've seen Philip Rivers do it a couple of times as yeah. well. Um, we just lock onto a defensive man and just launch him the ball. We just think, well, if I throw it hard enough at him, he might not catch it. I mean, it wasn't um, a Picasso. It wasn't the Matt Schaub of, of interceptions, but it was like a Matisse. <laughs> you know, it was a, it's in that, yeah. that area. Um, you know, I bet you didn't think you'd hear fine art on this well podcast, <laughs> did you? Too so right. Uh, right. Seahawks now, um, since their loss against the Giants, which they really <laughs> the bed, mm. um, they've they've beaten Washington. Washington, who are on a decent run of form as well. Strong uh, And now they've yeah. beaten the Rams. They beat the, the Jets for 40 past the Jets as well. Um, prior to that, they beat the Eagles and the Cards. So since they lost to the, the Rams in on the 15th of November, um, since then they've only lost one and um, yeah they're on a nice little nice little run of form the main thing for the uh, for Seattle of course is they've got Russell Wilson I mean that's that's the key thing for them they have to keep him fit um, and who knew they and it's what I've said before their success it coincides with them having fit running backs mm. said it a number of times if they've got a ground game it frees up frees them up in the air significantly it makes them a much more difficult team and a proper turnaround on that defense. There's got yes. to be credit going there as well. Hundred um, percent. They've definitely made some moves there, and uh, yeah. and figured some stuff out. So we've got two games left. The first one Sunday night, and Aaron Rodgers threw four touchdown passes as the Packers t- trounced the Tennessee Titans for their fifth consecutive victory on a snowy Sunday night. The Packers have already clinched the NFC North title and can earn the number one seed in the NFC playoffs if they win at Chicago or Seattle loses at San Francisco next week. It was Green Bay that dominated the run behind 124 yards and two touchdowns from A.J. Dillon and 94 yards from Aaron Jones. Dillon, who was a second-round pick from Boston College, had run for 115 yards all season during a rookie year in which he spent over a month on the COVID-19 reserve list. Devonta Adams' three touchdown catches gave him 17 this season, one off the Packers' season, uh, single-season record that Sterling Sharp set in 1994. Adams, who caught 11 passes for 142 yards Sunday, leads the NFL in touchdown receptions despite missing two games with a hamstring injury. The Packers' defense also played well while picking off two passes from Ryan Tannehill, who went 11 of 24 for 121 yards. Tennessee's Derek Henry rushed for 98 yards on 23 carries, ending his streak of nine consecutive road games in which he ran for at least 100 yards. Green Bay's second series resulted in the equanimous St. Brown's first career touchdown on a 21-yard pass. Tennessee got back into the game by scoring two touchdowns in a three-and-a-half-minute span midway through the game. Tannehill's 12-yard touchdown pass to Johnny Smith with 43 seconds left in the second quarter made it 19-7. And on the opening series of the second half, Tannehill faked a handoff and raced 45 yards untouched to cut Tennessee's lead to 19-14. But this one was a statement for the Packers. The final score on Sunday night, Titans 14, Packers 40. Yeah, I mean, this was a real statement game for the Packers. Um I think they really showed what they're about. Um, and it might even show that there's a bit of method in their madness. So they picked up uh, AJ Dillon, as you mentioned, in the second round mm-hmm. um, in last year's draft. And a lot of people sort of scratching their heads. But when you actually, I think they picked up Dillon, he's been introduced slowly throughout this season. Um, and when you put it into context, uh, Aaron Jones is a unrestricted free agent next season, which means they can't place tenders on him at all. And rather than paying him $12, $50 million or whatever they're going to have to pay him, mm-hmm. they've now got a ready-made representative who's going to be earning, what, 
2.1 million maybe I mean I don't know what a running back out of a second round earned he's not going to be much anyway put it that way no. so they've got a ready made replacement right there so it's a smart bit of business in the long run when we were all sitting there scratching our head last, last year actually you think they actually know what they're doing this is this is uh, you know well played from from the Packers but they're on great great run of form it's nice to see Equiminiscent Brown who's got the best name in football <laughs> um, considering that one of them better than Buster Screen yeah, he's one of his one of Equiminius St. Brown's middle names is Imhotep. That's not even a joke. <laughs> oh, he wins. Well. Yeah, easily wins. <laughs> the only guy that's potentially better is someone that you and I both know, but never really made it big. His name was D Liner, and mm. you'll never guess what position he played. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean Packers. We've we've been saying for a while that the Packers can't win a game where someone tries to rough them up at the line of scrimmage. And I think yep. when I did the picks last week, I said that the Titans would win this game from, win it, from winning at the line of scrimmage. And it, the exact opposite happened. Mm-hmm. Titans got beat up. The Titans yeah. got roughed up, duffed up, and beat up consistently throughout this game from start <laughs> to finish. I couldn't believe what I was watching. That All three. Could not believe what I was watching. Um, so, yeah. Can the Packers be... I, I think they're the best team in the NFC. Can they be the team that derails an AFC team? Because the AFC, it, in terms of strength, is so much higher, so so far ahead of the NFC in terms of sheer talent. I agree. I think the Packers might just be the team in the NFC who can win a Super Bowl against an AFC team. If they secure the number one seed, Dave, we know that they like playing in Lambeau. And yeah. they'll get to stay there for the entire playoffs. So they've definitely got the advantage there. Um, yeah. Saints won't want to go and play up there. Yeah, the only difficulty is when you come to the Super Bowl, which is in uh, Tampa this year. Yeah, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit warm down there, isn't it? Obviously, when we get to the Super Bowl, it's different. But the <laughs> NFC path to get through to the Super Bowl, that's looking <laughs> good for the, the Packers right. at the moment. You're right. Yeah, absolutely yeah. runs through Lambeau. Got one more game, and that was Monday night. So a week after unseating the Patriots as division champions, Buffalo became the first AFC East team in two decades to sweep New England in a season series with a victory. Josh Allen passed for four touchdowns to help the Bills stay in the mix for the number two seed in the AFC playoffs. Allen was 27 of 36 for 320 yards. He now has 34 touchdown passes, surpassing Jim Kelly to set a franchise single-season record with his eighth 300-yard game. He also surpassed Drew Bledsoe's single-season team record of seven. The Bills last swept the Patriots in 1999. The last division opponents to sweep the Patriots were the Jets and Dolphins in 2000. The Patriots' 19 straight seasons without losing both games to a divisional opponent was, of course, an NFL record. New England will finish with its first losing record since Coach Bill Belichick's first season in 2000. Stefan Diggs had nine catches for 145 yards and three touchdowns, setting a Bills' single-season record for receiving yards. The Patriots struggled to move the ball for most of the night, with running back Damian Harris out for the second straight game with an ankle injury. Cam Newton had a touchdown run but was just 5 of 10 for 34 yards passing before being pulled in the third quarter for backup Jared Stidham. Newton's 34 yards passing are the fewest by a Patriots starting quarterback since 1993. On defence, New England also struggled to put pressure on Allen, allowing him time to find open receivers and the Patriots allowed a season worst 474 yards overall. The Bills also got a receiving touchdown from big old tight end Lee Smith and a rushing touchdown from Zach Moss. The final score in Foxborough on Monday night was Bills 38, Patriots 9. I want you to close your eyes, Jim. <laughs> I want you to think back to your school days. Lord okay? have mercy. <laughs> and I want you to think about that person in your school yeah. who was great at football, great at mm. cricket, great at rugby. 
everyone liked him. He's really behave, really <laughs> popular. Yeah. Not particularly clever, but he was the one that everyone liked, and he was just a dick, and he was a jerk, and you know, he, he was always the one who had an easy ride through school. I want you to think about him. Mm, mm. Okay. Now imagine a few years later, you order a pizza. And you go to your front door and you open your front door and standing there in a Domino's cap is this jerk who did nothing and is now so, did nothing to plan for his future. And he's now mm. working, delivering pizzas with no future. And I, I used to deliver pizzas. So I can say this as well. This isn't, a, this isn't me being detrimental to anyone. I did this. Mm-hmm. That's where the Patriots are. They lounged around with their popularity and they, you know, they failed to plan for their future and now they're pizza delivery boys. They are the pizza delivery boys of the, of the NFL. That's what they are. And you know what? It feels so good to watch them get <laughs> constantly whooped week after week after week. Mm-hmm. And the Bills might just be uh, one, you know, the dark horses of the AFC. They are, if you think about it, they they are a hail mary against the Cardinals away from not losing a game since they played the Chiefs on the nineteenth of October. That's yeah. how far back their win streak carries. Um, yeah, the Bills are the success story of the season. Sean McDermott is obviously the other candidate for Coach of the Year because he has done a sensational job with Josh Allen. Sorry, if it's not if it's not uh, McDermott, whoever it is within. Buffalo, whoever it is within the Bills organization, they've done an amazing job. Whoever fixed his legs, yeah. Absolutely. Um, But no, the Bills are sensational. They really are. Mm. Mm. 12 and 3, sat atop the AFC East. We'll have a quick look at the standings now. So uh, no movement in the East. The Bills have have tied that up. Uh, Two-game advantage over the Dolphins. Um, In the North, the Steelers have won the AFC North. The Ravens move ahead of the Browns. Um, after their win slash loss for each of them. Um, and obviously the Bengals were, were knocked out a while ago. In the South, there was no movement, but the Texans and the Jags are, are both out. In the West, that's all sewn up. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to go through with the number one seed. Uh, and the only movement there was the Chargers moved ahead of the Broncos after they beat them on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, from a, so from a wildcard perspective, yeah. uh, three wildcard teams go in. So the wildcard, so the teams who win the divisions automatically go through and then yes. the best three runners up. doesn't matter if you thin, finish third in your division. Mm-hmm. If you've got the best record, you go through. Currently, the Dolphins have 10 wins. The Ravens have 10 wins. So do the Browns and so do the Colts. Now, the Colts are level with the Titans. Colts and Titans, yeah. Yeah, that's all to play for. So one of those, what was it, four or five teams? There's one five of those teams. four teams. Uh, one, two, but three. It's because the South hasn't tied up their division winner yet. Okay. So one of those four teams, because one of them is going through, is going to miss out. There's going to be a 10-win team who aren't making the playoffs. One of those five um, teams is not going through yet. Yeah. One of, well, yeah, one of the four, because one of them is going through as a winner. So, yeah. Um Who's your money on? So currently, currently we're looking at the Colts, uh, Browns, Ravens, and Dolphins. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because it also depends on who they're playing. So yeah. the Browns, for example, have a, a massive advantage because the Steelers are going to use Week 17 as a, 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 a bye week, basically, after we had it stolen from us. Um, we had a yeah. lovely, plump Week 8 bye at the start of the season. Smack bang in the middle. 
and they took it away from us and gave us a week four bye because uh, Tennessee couldn't keep it in their pants and, uh, and got COVID. And we so, had a similar thing with the Patriots, so you're not the only Exactly, ones. yeah. So we had to move those games around. Um, so they're, they're going to be benching Ben. I'm sure they're going to be benching loads of other starters. So normally, yeah. I would hate to give the Browns a win at any point, especially if it's going to help them get into the, the playoffs. But it looks like we're going to do it because we are worrying about ourselves and, and what we're going to do in the in the uh, postseason. Yeah, look after your own house before you start looking after anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the Browns Dolphins have got a massive advantage the there. Um, Dolphins have the Bills, but the Bills have already sewn up their division and they're in the yeah. playoffs. So again, at what point do you do you start resting your guys? So potentially the Dolphins have uh, an advantage there as well. Um, Ravens, the Ravens have the Bengals. Now, the Bengals are on a bit of a run of form, so that's mm. potentially a banana skin. It's probably the hardest game, actually, it's probably because the yeah. Bengals got nothing to lose, but they're actually playing quite well. Colts play the Jags, and the Titans play the Texans. So both, of those, two yeah. are, both of those two are going to be 11-win teams, Yeah, as are the Ravens, as are the Browns, as are the Dolphins, potentially. So yeah. there's a possibility that an 11-win team mm-hmm. could end up missing out on the playoffs and i put that into you know look at the afc east when there's the potential that a six win team can qualify for the playoffs and nfc missing. east nfc yeah this ain't right <laughs> you know, 11, team, 11 win team i just find it odd so then if we move across to the a- 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 nfc then yeah so there was no movement in the in the east um washington still around on top uh, but they're a level pegging with the Cowboys on six and nine. The Eagles are officially knocked out. Uh, in the north, the Packers obviously are the number one seed there um, at the moment. The Vikings and Lions got, uh, are out of contention. Uh, in the south, the Saints and the Bucks are both through. Um, the Panthers moved above the, the Falcons after their win slash loss uh, on week 16. And in the west, the Seahawks are through as the division champions and the 49ers are definitely out. So it's pretty certain that the three wildcard teams then are going to be the Bears. Uh, the Bucks have already done it. So then it's going to be the Bears who have got eight wins. Uh, Rams have got nine. Bears or Cardinals who have got eight wins. Uh, and then the Rams have got nine. So it's going to be the Rams and either of the Bears or Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals this week play the Rams and the um bears this week i believe they play the vikings let me double check no they play the packers mm-hmm. uh, yeah not easy yeah. no but it's again what do the packers do yeah the packers, the rest packers want to rest their guys we've seen it a number of times where the packers will rest their players we saw it when brett mm-hmm. Huntley was there we saw it when sean kaiser was there as well um so yeah it wouldn't shock me too much if uh, and the Packers, especially because it's not at Lambeau as well. If it was at Lambeau, I think it's a little bit different, maybe, because mm. um, they're a very proud team. But because they're away, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, you see Matt Lafleur playing quarterback. To be honest, <laughs> I don't know who the Packers' backup quarterback is. That's that's how little attention you pay to the whoever the backup is, because you know there's no chance of him really starting. I, I think the Rams will be wanting to win that game against the Cardinals, and so I I think that. Um, I agree, but got I think to play there's, there's, a, there's a big chance the Cardinals not getting through. I think if I had to pick two to go through, I'd pick the, the Rams and the and the Bears. But the Rams have got Blake Bortles starting. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, but you got to an NFC Championship game. I mean, this is he true. carried that team. Like, he carried that terrible defense all the way to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> 
I paused purposely so you could enter a laugh. So like, what? What's this going about? You people must be out your damn mind. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, part of me wants to see the Cardinals go into the playoffs just because I think it will help mm. them in the long run. It will give them that experience of being there because they're going to be a team that are in the playoffs continuously for the next you know, maybe four, five, six years. Um, yeah. And having this experience go into a playoff game can only help them and they're better to watch to be honest as well I don't really want to sit there watching the Rams mm-hmm. um, but yeah so I think it's uh, yeah it's interesting in the NFC um, but ultimately we're going to see a good team from the AFC who aren't going to make it which is uh, that's the thing it's so, it's so much weaker those divisions yeah. when you're, you're talking about those teams that are, are on the cusp of getting into the playoffs you're like well does it really matter can I see any of those teams getting far in the playoffs anyway? No. Well, I think there's, there's 16 teams in the AFC, and I think 12 of them could win the NFC East. <laughs> 12 <Yeah>. of the 16 <laughs> genuinely could go and win that division. That yeah. tells you everything you need to know. And that's not just go and lead the, that's go and win it. Mm. And that says everything. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> there's only five teams with a worse record than. Uh, Washington and Dallas in the AFC. Yeah, one of them is the Broncos, and I fancy us to go win that division. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I bet you're, you're betting on your team to win that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> walk it. Absolutely. Uh, what Ooh, was the Oh, yeah, fantasy. How did you get on with that, mate? Um, so, on first, basically, first game um, of the week, Alvin Kamara did his thing. Mm. Um, which led to me basically being 54 points behind before I'd even started. Um, 54 points behind. Can you believe it? I mean, <laughs> what is the point of me even looking? Now, um, if Alvin Kamara, so his average, if you take away over the last two seasons, his, God, average, is about, no, his average is about 16 points a week. Just tell everyone you uh, lost. <laughs> not a lost. I mean, as a given, I, I conceded 54 points in, in, before he even started. Of course, I bloody lost. But if, he'd have, if you'd have actually given him his average, which uh, over the past two seasons is about 16 and a half points, I would have won this week. Mm. I would have won by about three points. Um, but all in all, I scored nearly 100. Um, but yeah, the guy who was against me had a bit of a mare because he didn't he started Jarvis Landry who was out with COVID. Yeah. Um and his defense scored minus two points. Um yeah. so he was quite frankly saved from Kamara. Um <laughs> I did okay throughout my team. Tim Patrick and Brandon Ayuk um were the only bad spots um who got seven points between them basically. Other than that, I did pretty well throughout all of it. Um, scored 96, did okay. Got an 8-8 record. You had a projected playing... score, but um, oh. uh, your opponent out I, I was playing, I was playing the league points. leader. I do want to put that in there. I, I was playing the league leader. I was, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's that, it's that 54 points that did me, though. If, if, he hadn't, if mm. he'd have got his normal score of what we expect him to get, then, uh, yeah. I would have won the game. <laughs> That's the way it goes, though. As it, ha- as it happens, though, you're rubbish. Behave. I've still got the same record as you, Mark. <laughs> I'm just choosing your own words against you, son. <laughs> no, How did you get on this week? Well, in my game, as you know, I was up against uh, Philly Sai, who you said has a, a stacked offense. He does. He I was absolutely. up against Derek Henry. I was up against Josh Allen, Adam Thielen, Michael Gallup. I mean, this isn't fair. Brown's defense against the Jets. 
and uh, I beat him. Well, so beat him. this season, this season, right? By miles. BA, you beat him by seven points. Seven, seven point massive one. points. Let's, let's look at it right. This season, Alvin Kamara averages 16.5 points over the past two years, and he pops up with a 54-point game. Mm. Derek Henry, this season, averages almost 20 points. What did he get this week? Nine. And you go and beat him. Yeah, that's a disgrace. This is immoral. You should you shouldn't be sitting there saying you won this. You should be saying you, you just didn't lose. You can't say you won this one. It's a disgrace. Well, how about this one then, ladies and germs? Okay, <laughs> I, was, I was sat without Joe Mixon, obviously again because of uh, his injury. So I was starting J.K. J.K. Dobbins and Dam- Damian Harris, and of course it comes out just before J.K. Sunday. Dobbins is a legend. But no, Damian <laughs> Harris was on a doubtful list because of his injury. Okay, mm. so I had to scramble to find myself another running back. And I picked up Zach Moss. Zach Moss, who's been on decent form as well lately. Exactly. But I picked him up, I took a chance, and he got me 11.7 points. So he got me more than Derek Henry or Darrell Henderson, who played the other position for for Cy. So I thought that was an absolute touch by me as a a head coach slash general manager. (laughs) What a move. I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, point the obvious, but you... I put him the wrong kit. That's another balls move. Seeing as though it was his you first chose game, the wrong he, quarterback. You have done your, nothing. Your, your backup quarterback scored more than your starter, so you left points on your bench there. All right, so, okay. I took Ben out at the last second, and I put back and in. You say, you I'm say, riding oh, Diamond putting, Russell Wilson. Okay, putting in George Kittle was an absolute touch, was it really? Because your yeah. backup scored nine points. George Kittle scored nine point two, so you made point two of a point. Brilliant, Jim. Bravo. Well done. About? You're a Dan Arnold was my other backup, and you got not point five. Yeah, but you were never going to play Dan Arnold. Well, <laughs> never, no. Years were you going to play Dan Arnold? What I'm saying is, I didn't. You don't know who's going to score what points, Dave, before it happens. All right, it looks looks simple. All I heard when you just said that is blah blah. I <laughs> won. I won. I won. Every single week, the George Kittle has been out. Yeah. Who have you started? Janu Smith. Yeah. Smith got nine points. Kittle got 9.2. So rough, this big I am about this. I've, I've done brilliantly in putting Kittle back in. That was an absolute touch. Knocked no, me down all the time. Crazy. Anyway, next week, what we're we looking at. <laughs> this is, if you win next week, basically it's a bid between us now to see who ends up with the best record. Yeah. I'm playing someone who's 10 and 6. You're all playing someone who's 12 and 4. Oh, I'm, I'm playing the guy who smashed you this week. Yes. No. <laughs> No, but everyone in his team's not going to be starting, so it's fine. Let's hope so. So, yeah. Alvin Kamara takes a week off now, right? No. He's going to get uh, seven touchdowns this week. I don't think he's going to be resting. Who's going to be resting out of those team, uh, those players? I don't know. I've got no There's, idea. No, dude. Uh, that's going to be tough. Zach Moss. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Zach Moss. Look, let's have a quick look at the uh, Jets watch. I know we, we kind of... We've been looking at the Jets all season. Because of their win, they actually plussed six points in their points differential. So they're now at a staggering minus 202. Is that all? That's all. Did they end the season positive? Well, be... at I the mean, Patriots. not positive, but less, less than 200. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be below 200, not positive. That's not. Who's okay. starting Sam Donald in week 17 in fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, they're now picking second overall. Yeah, I know. Uh, We've been so- focusing on the Jets so much, but low-key, the Jags just snuck in there after getting their one their week one win. 
They just yeah, the Jags, cruise the, the rest of it. The Jags are like one of those guys who, you know, he's, he's basically, the Jags are basically like a fat guy who is lining up on the start line of the London Marathon next to loads of Kenyans and Ethiopians going, watch this, and just guns it off the line. Mm. 250 yards down the road, dying on his arse, he's got a stitch, and the Kenyans go, what the f- you lot doing? So mm. yes, they were leading early, but ultimately finished last. And that's kind yeah. of what the Jags have done. Um, Jags total value. So again, this is just on total value of um, draft picks. Yeah. So to put it into context, um, the total value in terms of points, the points might not mean a huge amount, but I want to give a few teams so it sort of puts it in context. Um, Houston have got 536 in terms of value of points. We know they're terrible. I mentioned earlier on. Um, Halfway down the list are uh, Vegas and New England, who have got 1,700. Um, The Jags have got a whole range of picks. They've got a massive amount of picks. Two their first total rounders. Pick value, yeah, two first rounders, and they're picking then 33rd and then 44th. So they've got four picks in 44. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a total pick value of, so remember the teams in the middle, about 1,700. Yep. Uh, a team who are 10th of 2,100, they have got 5,000 <laughs> or 5,300 points. Yeah. Astonishing, and then got a GM. They got eleven picks over. No GM, no GM. <laughs> so that, one out quickly. that is like the picks. golden ticket for a GM, isn't it? They've got six inside the top one hundred. Yeah, I mean, who would not want to be the GM? I mean, technically, you want you kind of want an out if you're going in to be the GM somewhere. You kind of want an out of going. Oh, look what I've got! I've got nothing to play with. Maybe the Texans is actually a better job than the Jags. No, if you go in and pocket the Jags, you've got nothing to, you know, you've got, you've got no one to blame except yourself. Well, yeah, but at least you've got a chance to completely mould that team. Oh, it's crying out for Bill O'Brien, the Jags job. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Jags starting uh, first overall in terms of order. Um, Jags first of all, um, then Jets, uh, Miami from uh, the Texans, then Atlanta. Atlanta's the funny one. What did what do Atlanta do? Because they're picking fourth. Because they've yeah. still got Matt Ryan for a few years on contract as well. So that that's a funny one, picking fourth. Um, and then Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Detroit, the Giants eighth, Carolina ninth, Broncos tenth, uh, Dallas eleven, maybe, maybe even twentieth. Who knows? Nineteenth. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and then charge in Minnesota, New England. So yeah, there's. Uh, I'm 49 is on Yeah, yeah, they're at uh, 15 as well. Yeah, and um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next week because there's still a lot to play for in terms of draft order, and it plays out through additional rounds later on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, all to play for from the draft perspective, the draft race. Last thing we've got to look at is the picks for week 16, Dave, before we take our break. Uh, you're up against Packer Tim, and yeah. Tim got nine. Oh, okay. So very solid result there for Tim. From memory, we had a few differences. So I either got yeah. four or 14, based on the uh, <laughs> amount of differences we probably had. It was yeah. The, the start of it, you're always picking the same, and then the second half, you kind of veered off. Uh, Dave, you got 10. So I'm happy, I'm happy with double figures. That's mm. that'll do me nicely. You just edged it. Uh, the way it went down was that you both picked the Cardinals to beat the 49ers. That was wrong. The Texans to beat the Bengals and the Browns to beat the Jets and Washington to beat the Panthers. So there were four games for both of you that, that didn't come in. 
Um, the in one my defence, where... I didn't know Dwayne Haskins was starting. In my defence, <laughs> uh, the ones where uh, you won, uh, you picked the Steelers to beat the Colts, and you picked the Cowboys to beat the Eagles, the Seahawks to beat the Rams. Um, Tim picked the Packers to beat the Titans, and the Chargers cool. to beat the Broncos. So that was the difference there. Yeah. And it means on the overall score that the people have 157 and you have 153. So there's only no four points no difference going into that. last week. No one's interested in the total score. I'm talking match play. <laughs> How many weeks have I won? Doesn't matter, Dave. <laughs> 157 that plays 153. So that's how we count it. So we count it every year. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the last, uh, last week because we have a new picker as well. Yeah. But at this point, we're going to take a quick break and uh, come back for part two and do uh, week 17. Welcome back, guys, to part two of the Jim the King Alpha podcast. This is the week 16 review slash week 17 preview. We've just reviewed week 16. That is done. Finito. Now it's time to move on to week 17. Dave, it's the final week of the picks, and we have a new challenger. Normally, we have a rumble, but this week, we're just going to have the one person going mano a mano against you, and that is Barry, who is a Texans fan, and uh, we will send our deepest sympathies to him at this difficult time. uh, he has put forward uh, winners for all 16 uh, games so let's see if we can get some uh, some differences here so I'm going to start they're all happening on Sunday by the way there's no Thursday game no Friday Saturday everything's going on on Sunday we're going to start with the 6 p.m. slate and I'm going for the Cowboys at the Giants Dave um, so Cowboys are on form. Um, Giants most definitely are not. Since they beat the Seahawks, they've fallen off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, technically, but I don't know if the Giants can actually still qualify for the playoffs. I mean, they can get six wins, which will level they, them. They with can. The yeah, they can still get in. So, technically, this is a winner-takes-all game. Mm. Um, bit of the 50-50. I think you've got to go with the Cowboys just because they are the form team. Um, but there's every possibility that the Giants could end up clinching it as well. Um, but I think it's largely irrelevant because I think Washington will go through as winners. So Barry's also gone for the Cowboys. These are all division matchups, actually, Week 17. I love how the scheduling has, yeah. has done this. So it's all division matchups. The last time these bloody teams, time as well. Yeah, the last time these two teams played, the Cowboys won 37-34. So next game up then, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. Last Steelers game, this was 38-7 win to the Steelers, but obviously Steelers are resting their players for this yeah, matchup. you've got to go Browns. The Browns are playing for a playoff spot and um, the Steelers aren't. Uh, the thing is, it's the thing I've said a million times, a lot of the guys who are going to be playing for the Steelers this week are playing for their livelihood, they're playing for a contract, mm. they're playing for their futures. Yep. And that can be dangerous. I think the lack of talent is going to somewhat open up from that, though, in the fact that there's going to be guys who are just naturally better football players playing for the Browns this week. Um, and let's be honest, it's made. They just week. lost to the Jets, Dave. I know. That's what scares me as well. <laughs> Genuine question then. Genuine question. Yeah. Do you think that your team of backups could beat the Jets? I have Including no idea. I don't even know what who our backups are. That kind of, you know... How, how many backups are you putting in here? I mean, we don't, no one's that's that stacked at every position. 
And that's that's the point. I mean, at, at what point do you say you can put any faith into your backup guys? Because not only are you playing against a t- you know a team who are a rival of yours and are going to want to put it on you, but you're also playing against a team who've won double digit games and on their day can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that you could you could get done by a lot because the Browns are going to want to run the score up. If they can, they're going to want to put 40, 50, 60, as much as they can on the board. I don't think you'll allow them. If all of a sudden, sort of 10 minutes into the game, you see TJ Watt goes, he's running into the locker room to get his pads on. That wouldn't shock me whatsoever. <laughs> Just to stop the score from running up because we don't want it to be like that. Um, I think you have to go with the Browns. Just sense tells you you're going to go with the Browns. Well, Barry's also gone for the Browns. Fine, yeah, don't care. It's week 17. We're already in. Yep. So then we've got the AFC East, and that's the New York Jets at the New England Patriots. The last time these two teams faced, it was a 30-27 win for the Patriots with a last-second Nick Falk field goal. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots stink. Uh, the Jets don't. I want to go for the Jets. I really, really want to go it, for man. the Jets. Do it, man. Do it. I can't. Only Do an it. idiot would be the Jets. No, no, no. Uh, I'm going to go Patriots. I think it's uh, chicken. Cam's last chicken. game. Um, Cam threw 34 yeah. yards last game. Yeah, did really well. And was subbed out for Jared Stidham as well. Let's yeah. not forget that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sod it. I'm going Jets. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Jets. Barry's gone no, for I'm the Patriots. I'm going Patriots. I'm going Patriots. I'm going no, Patriots. it's too late, mate. You're going Jets. Jets has no, been locked no, in. No, no, no. So then we've got the other AFC North matchup. That's the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think Ravens win this one again, just because they're trying to clinch a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, And I think ultimately they're scheming much, much better. And they're going to do what they do best. Keep the ball in between the hash marks, run it um, 65% on first down as they, as they continue to do. And then I think it's a good week to keep JK Dobbins in your fantasy team. Yeah, Ravens won this last match up 27-3. to three. Uh, Barry's also gone for the Ravens. So then we go to the NFC North, and that is the Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. Now, this one has no playoff implications, but in the last matchup, the Vikings beat the Lions 34-20. to 20. Dude, this has no playoff implications for the next decade. Um, do we know what Matt Stafford's status is? Um, well, Shit. I mean, either way, he's not going to be give up either way he's not going to be fit 100 percent. so my record on the on the vikings is horrendous oh yeah, uh, yeah legendarily bad oh awful although i did win with them a couple of weeks ago um i am going to go with the vikings i think just because the lions are so bad without matt stafford there to to hold the safety net for them barry's thinking the same thing so he's also gone for the vikings then we go for the second AFC East matchup. That is the Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. This is an important game for both teams. Uh, the Bills won this last matchup 31-28. to 28. But AFC seedings are, are very important here for them. And for the Dolphins, it's a chance to go through to the playoffs. Is this in Buffalo? Yeah. I think it makes a big difference where it is. Because in Buffalo, it's minus 40. Um, and anyone who's anyone who's been watching the know, uh, watching the news knows that the snow in Buffalo has been extreme in the past mm-hmm. few weeks. Uh, whether it still is now, I don't know. But um, traveling from nice, warm, sunny Florida to Buffalo, I think is uh, 
important for the Bills. So I'm going to go for the Bills on this one. Okay. Well, Barry has also gone for the Bills. So again, have we had any differences yet? Yeah, uh, Jets and Patriots. Oh, okay. Okay, we've got one then. <laughs> yeah, uh, then we can... in. <laughs> Lured you in. Then we've got the NFC South. It's the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks won the last fixture with them too. 31 to 27. Um, Falcons are out. Was, Bucks are still looking for a seeding. I was going to say that you have to go for the Bucks. I'm going to assume that Barry's gone for the Bucks, um, but I can't pick the Falcons against the Buccaneers, so I'm, I've got to pick the Buccaneers. I know I need four differences, um, but yeah, I, I, you can't not go for the Bucks. Well, I'll tell you what, Dave, you just got one. Because Barry's gone, oh, for he's the gone, for the, he's gone for the Falcons. He's gone for the Falcons. <laughs> I saw these picks earlier on, but I paid zero attention to them. I just forwarded them on. So, yeah, no. As usual. So, that's the six o'clock games finished. Now we're going yeah. on to the 9.25 in the UK uh, kickoffs. We're going to start in the AFC West, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Almost said the wrong one. At the Denver Broncos. Um, I just won this go... last one 37 12. I'm going to go for Oakland. That's what I'm going to <laughs> well, you're going to lose that one then. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the the Broncos are... Raiders have been terrible recently. That's the only problem. We're going to go and bloody win this game. He's going to shoot us in the foot next season. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> um, oh, I'll go Broncos. Heart rules the head. I'll go Broncos. Okay, okay. Uh, well, Barry's gone for the Raiders, so we've got another difference there, Dave. I'm sure you're glad to hear. Perfect. Uh, AFC South, it's the Jags with the number one overall pick at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. Uh, Jags won this game 27-20 in week one. Don't care. <laughs> week one was ever such a long time ago. It does feel like a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> I was about two stone lighter and hadn't had COVID. It was ever <laughs> such a long time ago. Uh, well, yeah, Barry's also gone for the Colts, unsurprisingly there. Um, although you never know with the Jags. They're one of those teams that will just kind of turn up. Now they've secured number one overall pick. It doesn't matter does it? They might just come out and smash it. I think you do know. <laughs> well, you might know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> don't, never count them out. They always do the thing you don't want them to do. Uh, then we've got an NFC South matchup. That is the New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Saints qualified yet? By three points, 27-24. Have the Saints qualified yet? What do you mean they qualified yet? I mean, are, are, they in, are they in the playoffs? Are they? Yeah, but they're okay. challenging for a potential number one seed against the Packers. They're a game behind, so they need the Packers to lose and they need to win. Yeah. Okay, I think uh, Saints one. Going for Saints? Yeah, going for Saints. I mean, yeah, Barry's gone for the Saints as well. But there we go. Uh, so then we've got the NFC North one and the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. Packers won their last Packers. matchup, 41-25. Packers. Yeah. Yeah, what we mentioned earlier on, by the way, we've done a little bit of research in our little break, and we mentioned that the Packers may end up resting people against the Bears. That probably isn't going to be the case now because we realise the Packers haven't actually clinched their first overall, uh, the 
the number, the, one, seed. Uh, number one seed yet. So, yeah, Packers are going to be playing to win it, and I think that they will, so I'll go Packers. They'll start their starters. Yes. They might absolutely. not finish the game with their starters, but they'll start the starters. No, but they'll still win the game. They're not going to pull them if they're 10 points down. Well, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> just saying, if it goes all to plan, then for fantasy points, if people are still playing week 17 and they're thinking to get massive points out of uh, Rodgers and Devontae Adams, just temper those I mean, expectations a little bit. I've got Aaron Jones, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping he breaks a tackle and runs for a hundred yards in the first quarter. Otherwise, there's not much. As hope always. Um, yeah. So then we've got the NFC West. It's the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks won this last game, 37-27. Um, I think there'll be a repeat. I think there'll be a, a big old hefty win for Seattle. Um, Although Seattle have tied up the NFC West. Yeah. So they may just be resting some players. Uh, mm, See, now you've swayed me. Mm. They're not in line for first overall pick. (laughs) No, I'm going to go Seattle. First seed. You know what I mean. First seed. They're not in line for first overall pick either, so technically I was still correct. You are absolutely Uh, correct. Yeah, they're they're nowhere near the first overall pick. Um, And also the 49ers have, have been winning recently as well. I mean, they won one game recently. Let's not say <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, it's winning recently, right? Uh, by uh, maybe by definition. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going for Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay, Barry's gone for the Forty ers Nice. So another difference. Uh, four games left. It's the AFC South and the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. Titans won the last game between these two, forty-two to thirty-six. I mean, after everything I've said, I can't really then go for the Texans, can I? Um, Titans in the bed last week. Um, but we know that the, Titan, uh, the Texans are legendary, legendary bad. Mm. Legendarily bad. Legendarily. Stopping the run. Um, and Derek Henry is not a bad running back. So I think uh, I have to side on... Uh, side with uh, the tech Titans on that. And the Titans are still trying to lock up the division as well and go through as divisional winners rather than a wildcard spot. And that makes a big, big difference because in terms of seedings, you're much, much higher. It's a good chance I might end up playing the Colts in the wildcard rounds. Now, you see, this is where being a fan comes into play because Barry's uh, swung for the fence here with his, his Texans to win this game. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Well done. Yeah. Uh, well, strange things have happened strange things yeah. have happened this season and continue to do so but um, there we go there's another difference then we've got the Arizona Cardinals at the LA Rams Trey important game here between these two the Blake Bortles led Rams uh, <laughs> I'm I um, I can't remember who else you said that. I can't remember who you said they're playing but I'm going to go for the other team I completely forgot my mind's gone Cardinals mine. Cardinals I go for the Cards it didn't matter what you said, as long as it wasn't... They're a game uh, back. The Rams won their yeah, last match-up 38-28. Yeah. yeah. Go for the Cards. Uh, Barry's also gone for the Cardinals. So yeah. consensus on that one. Uh, and then the last one at 9.25 is the Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs won this last game 23-20. Now, the Chiefs are resting some players. Um, they, yeah, so Chad Henney is starting from what I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the Chiefs. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was in Seattle, uh, I was in a bar and we was watching the Broncos against the Chiefs. And it was that game when Mahomes dislocated his knee. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to be out for a year and a half. Turned out he was out for about three weeks. Yeah. Just because he's not human. (laughs) And um, I can't remember who it was that came in. But we still got tore apart. Uh, uh, David Moore? No, Matt Moore. Matt Moore. That's it. Matt Moore. Moore. It was Matt Moore. Good shout on the Moore, though. I knew it was Moore. Um, yeah, and we got tore apart, like systematically destroyed. <laughs> so it just goes to show that Pat Mahomes is not really important in that system. It's, it's more system. Oh, Matt Moore and Chad Henney, both uh, Dolphins quarterbacks as well. So there's a connection there. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still going to go Chiefs. You're going to go for Chiefs. Barry's gone for the Chiefs as well. So there we go. Um, and there's a Sunday night game. Uh, and that is the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, huge implications here for the playoffs and drafting. Uh, I'm going to make two predictions here. I'm not going to say what the second one is, but you're going to know it when you hear it. I'm going to go for the Washington Capitals. <laughs> That's my prediction. <laughs> the last time these two teams faced, the Washington football team won it 27-17. to 17. Yeah. So you're going for Washington? Going for the Washington Capitals. Okay. <laughs> well, Barry's <laughs> gone for the Eagles, so finish with a flourish. And oh, okay. uh, another difference. Loving Ooh, that. I might, I might just win this one. <laughs> you need to win by five to uh, to win it overall, though, Dave. So, oh. I think you... No, it's four to tie. Yeah, that's good enough for me. <laughs> At one point, I was 12 behind. And it's all because I was picking a against the bloody Steelers week after week after week. There's six points gone straight away. I'm basically winning it, winning right now. I've got the moral victory. <laughs> Absolutely do not have that moral victory. <laughs> let's go out. <laughs> let's, before we get out of here, let's do the bets quickly, Dave. So what are you betting for the final week? Um, so I have gone a bit rogue. So I did a bet earlier um, that included the Steelers and I didn't realise the Steelers were included, uh, were resting everyone so i cashed out on that one for the amount i put on right um and the bet that i've put on is that the ravens will beat the bengals Mm -hmm. cowboys will beat the nats uh the bills will beat the dolphins vikings will beat the lions pats will beat the jets titans will beat texans packers will beat the bears colts will beat the jags chiefs will beat the chargers saints will beat the panthers and seahawks will beat the 49ers so you've gone so for that's, sixteen team after, have you? Pretty much. I mean, I've got the I've got the Broncos in there, but that's pretty much the only one I haven't got him. Um, okay. So I've put on two pounds. The Patriots. Yeah, but in the picks, you just picked the Jets. Yeah, but I was on an R in, and I wanted to change it at the last minute. You said no. Um, <laughs> and in my defence, I did at the beginning say you have to be an idiot to pick the Jets. So. Mm-hmm. And I qualify as an idiot. So I'm putting two pounds on and my potential return is 130 pounds and eight of your English pence. Well, I hope that the Patriots one is your uh, your buster there because I've also gone for an Acker, Dave. Um, very mm-hmm. similar to you. I've gone for the Ravens to beat the Bengals, Titans to beat the Texans, Colts to beat the Jags, Vikings to beat the Lions, Cowboys to beat the Giants, Packers to beat the Bears, Bucks to beat the Falcons, and the one that 
pushed up the the acarods was the jets to beat the patriots <laughs> i had five pounds left i put all five pounds into the table gone all in and i will win 76 pounds and 24 earth pence well, if that uh if that comes to pass. you won't if it comes to pass and you won't <laughs> <laughs> well, i had fun doing it it's, yeah. been, it's been a fun year of betting and losing all my money but uh you know that's the, end for you. It, the thing is, the thing that I think has frustrated me about this whole betting process is that the, the weird and wonderful bets aren't available early enough in the week. No. So the bet that I really enjoyed was on the Thursday night game when the Broncos played the Jets. And my bet was something like um, that there'd be a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, that the Broncos would, yeah, I think it would, we'd punt for more than 500 yards. There was some stupid bets in there, but it was brilliant. And it won and every single one of them came off and it was amazing. Yeah. And though that is the kind of thing that made it fun. I mean, I was sitting there watching a Broncos versus Jets game enthralled <laughs> just because of the bets that were there. I mean, who knew, who knew that that was even a possibility? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's somewhat of a disappointment that we've had to end up just going with standard accumulators I know. Just because the, the bets just aren't available at the time. No. Um, but no, it, it does It does put a bit of a twist on it. I enjoyed doing it. So there you go, guys. Um, hopefully you've uh, you've enjoyed it because obviously you're still listening to it right now, so you're stuck with us all the way through. Um, next week, obviously, is the new year and the end of the regular season. We're going to be pushing all the way through the playoffs, all the way up to the Super Bowl, and then wind down towards the draft, but obviously start looking at all the college players that are coming out and all the players that uh, the Texans can't take. Uh, in the draft so looking forward to that um make sure you hit us up on twitter at jim and the king at denver dave 30 at nfl fan support um and look at jim and to stream the podcast as well so tell your friends uh leave reviews if you can all that kind of good stuff because why wouldn't you and uh yeah until next week i've been jim that's been denver dave and thank you so much for listening mm-hmm.